Hello there. Welcome to the IWS podcast. I'm your host, RJ, and I have a wonderful guest with me today, Miss Sierra Jackson. How are you doing today, Sierra? I am doing wonderful. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. <laughs> We're testing out this new environment, so I'm ready, ready to have a good discussion yeah, today. Most definitely. All right. So, like we normally do, for everybody who may or may not have known, this podcast is focused on mental health. And so we like to spotlight and have really honest discussions around that topic as well as discuss issues that may be existing between men and women today in communication. So we're going to start by you really giving us a breakdown and sort of lay down the foundation of who you are. So I want to begin by asking you a little bit more about what was your experience like growing up with your family? Okay, so um, I am originally from Florida, born and raised Lakeland, Florida. Um, For the uh, majority of my life, I grew up in a four-person household, so it was my mom and my dad, as well as me and um, my younger sister. She's about three years younger than me. Oh, okay. Uh, grew up in the church. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the church. Yeah, Wait, and so which kind of church? Baptist, missionary Baptist. And okay. That. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, it was definitely an interesting upbringing. Um, <laughs> uh, towards the beginning, well, I'd say like end of my junior year, beginning of my senior year, um, my parents they uh, went through a little bit of a messy divorce. Mm. Um, and even before then, uh, you could kind of start seeing like the cracks in the foundation of our family. Um, yeah. So I feel like that pretty much shaped um quite a bit of my outlook on um relationships not only romantic but i think just in general um going back to you know exactly what we're talking about today as far as like communication and things like that um and so i feel as though like the relationship that i had with both of my parents like individually kind of shaped the way that i am right now Mm -hmm. um i had a pretty good relationship with both of them i was for the most part, a daddy's girl, but my dad had a couple of things that, you know, he he needed to work on. Um, fair enough, fair enough. So uh, a lot of the times I found myself like falling back on my mom um, since I was a little kid. So now like she's my best friend, mm. um, you know. Can I ask you a question on that just mm-hmm. real quick? Do you think that, because you mentioned you were a daddy's girl, mm-hmm. do you think at all from when you were really, really young up until maybe to your current age now, do you notice any type of uh, transition or shift between maybe you were closer with one parent and then as you got older, you switched mm-hmm. to the other? I definitely feel like it was probably like once things started happening, I started noticing, like I was the I was the oldest. Um, mm. My mom, she never like put uh, pressure on me or like told me the stuff that like her and my dad were like going through. Sure. But... I was a nosy kid, so, you know, there would be some things that I would overhear or some things that, you know, I would go looking and, you know, see and stuff like that. And so I think that really um, changed Mm -hmm. my outlook on like my dad and my relationship with my dad, I would say. Okay. Mm -hmm. So based on some of the things that were going on with them, you started naturally, naturally started to shift over Mm -hmm. to getting closer with mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then also you said with your younger sister. So like, what's that relationship dynamic like between you and her? Oh my God. Like kind of like the typical uh, sister relationship when we were growing up, um, we fought a lot more than we had like 
you know, good times, happy times. It mm. literally wasn't until I moved out for college where we actually started building like a pretty good relationship. Okay. Um, right now, that's my girl. <laughs> like as since we've gotten older, um, yeah. we've definitely, thankfully, we've addressed a little bit of, you know, like our issues back in the day. Like I know um, even though it's like, you know, when you're young, you don't necessarily see the harm in the things that you may like say to people. Sure. Um, but it, it took a lot of reflection for me where I would like think about it randomly like and I would call her and I'm like dang Taylor I'm sorry Taylor is her name okay um but I I would just say dang Taylor like you know I'm thinking about the stuff that I used to say like when I would mess with you and things like that and I literally would just apologize I'm like I'm sorry for you know the way that I would treat you or the way that I would joke um because there would be often times where she would ask like me not to joke with her like that or not to call her certain names and things like that but I was young. I wasn't very emotionally intelligent. Like, I did not care. Sure, sure. Um, And now, you know, she's just built up such a tough exterior. So when I had, like, when I had that conversation with her, she was like, uh, okay, like, that's, that's fine. I don't know what you're talking mm. about or whatever, but we're good. And I'm like, okay, but I just still, you know, want you to know Absolutely. <laughs> that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm feeling bad about this. And although we're in a better place, like I still want to make sure that she knows that, you know, I recognize like the wrongdoing, um, you know, in the past. And I want to kind of like make up for it, which I feel like I have. So no, I agree. <laughs> and I appreciate you sharing that. I think for a lot of people, like, to me, what you were saying is that you kind of get more awareness and insight, and then you naturally maybe want to apologize or reconcile some things that maybe mm-hmm. were inappropriate, but you didn't recognize at the time, mm-hmm. right? I think that that to me is really important because that's a part of having self-accountability. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes people do us wrong or we do others wrong, and then we, I'm not going to say like as a society we do this, but I think for a lot of us, it's kind of difficult to understand the need and the appreciation of offering that to somebody. Mm-hmm. Even when you were explaining that with how your sister received that, it sounded like she almost didn't know how to receive that. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I got so guarded that I kind of put it to the side and tried to like forget that it happened or ignored it or blocked it out or whatever, Mm -hmm. which we may do at times because of emotional pain. Mm -hmm. So when you're kind of bringing it up, it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not even trying to deal with that anymore. And you're you're kind of being that vessel to make me have to think about it again. But what you said, you know, sounded very genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, you're coming from a real place. Like, I genuinely realized I was wrong when I said X, Y, and Z to you. And I just want you to know that I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Is that at all, like, kind of how you think she was interpreting that or how she was dealing with it? Yeah. And I just think I, and I've tried for years to kind of, like, make sense of just the way, you know, that she goes about things and stuff like that. And my mom and I always joke with her with just how... Um, she's not a hard person. She is a loving, she is a genuine, she's a warm person, but Mm. she does like let a lot of things just roll off her back Mm. and just, you know, kind of goes off the sense of, well, you know, it is what it is and things like that. And so my mom and I would always joke with her, like, girl, like it's not always, you know, it is what it is. It's not always that type of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not always that, that cut and dry and stuff like that. But, um, I can't even necessarily try to, uh, attribute to like what has you know caused her to be that way um, but I definitely feel as though like it you know sh- it has been I don't know maybe diff- her, difficult for her to make sense of those emotions um, so like when you know I'm being I'm I'm ooh, 
sorry like i am the emotional sister she is more so the you know kind of like tough on yes tough on the exterior and things like that so um sometimes it is a little hard for her to Mm. make sense of that (laughs) no and that makes sense i mean i think for a lot of us it's at least in my experience it's just sometimes we're not used to being able to have that space Mm -hmm. to really deal with those things yeah right like i'll just i'll just speak from my own perspective um me and my older sister so i have an older sister i'm the younger one Mm -hmm. so we're four years four and a half years off and i remember like we also didn't get along a lot but i think it's more just because like she was a girl i was a boy Mm -hmm. and also like being older and younger i think it's just it naturally is probably difficult similar to what you said but i think more so because we're, we're also different um but the point i was trying to make was when you go come up in certain environments where people maybe don't always have that accountability or you don't hear things like i'm sorry when you feel like something was done to you that did sort of violate your privacy your trust your confidence your whatever Mm -hmm. your wishes but when you get used to not hearing that maybe after a while you just sort of become accustomed to it right we're Mm -hmm. all kind of creatures that have it yeah so maybe she kind of got used to it just being like even to say that expression like it is what it is it's like well mm-hmm. i'm kind of indifferent like i i don't want it to be this way but mm-hmm. I, maybe i've had to deal with it this way for so long that mm-hmm. i understand that it's not really going to change yeah even though i wanted it to yeah and like you saying that um just kind of sparked uh like a memory for me just because now that i'm kind of like thinking of it and i'm kind of like doing a fast track of my mm-hmm. childhood but i know that this is something that i've talked about before just the fact that You know, we as a family as a whole, Mm -hmm. um, unless it was something that like either like my sister and I, like if we got in trouble or something like at school or we were, you know, obviously doing something that we weren't supposed to do, you know, we got in trouble, um, we got grounded, this, that and the third. But there were often times where like, you know, we would get the silent treatment. So like Mm -hmm. our mom would literally just, you know we would know that she's mad because she's not, you know, acting in like the, you know, nice and playful way that she usually is. But we would get like the silent treatment a lot. And then, you know, stuff would happen, like time would go by and things would just go back to normal. So we never actually had like conversations about like, okay, well, and I wish I could think of something specific when I was living in the house to like pinpoint but I do remember that that was something that we would do and even I picked up on that because I remember when we were all you know living together like in COVID when me and my sister had come down and just stayed with my parents for a while like I would notice I would get an attitude with about something that you know they would say or do or whatever and I would just you know kind of stick to myself and not necessarily like address the problem right and eventually like i i've tried to make strides towards like doing better as far as like communicating my feelings and why i felt that way but that's definitely something that you know i grew up learning like we yeah. just kind of sweep it under the rug it, yeah just let it fly by let whatever emotions you know sit or whatever but never actually talk about it so that obviously like the situation doesn't happen again absolutely I need to emphasize that point because you made a really, really good point. I want to make sure the audience caught that point. Because essentially what you just said was even when things were going on that we knew something was wrong, it was like we kind of had this way of behaving where everybody just kind of maybe walked on eggshells because we don't know when we're going to address that thing, if we're going to address that thing. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of pretend what, like we don't see each other. Mm -hmm. We ignore that we're physically in the same space. Yeah. 
I talk a lot about, in terms of boundaries, talking about confrontation. Mm-hmm. A lot of people struggle with confrontation because it requires you to assert how you feel and then be willing to actually verbalize that to somebody. Even now, I still have kind of an issue with confrontation. It's not like it's it's definitely something that I would say I've started working on mm-hmm. as of maybe like a year and a half mm-hmm. ago, like towards probably like the beginning of mm, I want to say like end of 2021 like beginning of last year I'd say like that's something that I'm now trying and even like to this day like I still struggle with it because it's I don't know you know tough conversations are it's it's hard when you grew up that way Mm -hmm. actually do us a favor real quick remind us how old you are uh I'm 25 okay 20 wait no I'm 26 I just had a birthday (laughs) well happy birthday by the way thank you (laughs) okay so 26 so let's think about this so you're saying you grew up a certain kind of way where you you specifically mentioned the phrase silent treatment Mm mm-hmm so why do people do that? That's basically like I'm ignoring you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm re- maybe I'm really pissed off, I'm really upset, whatever it may be, but I'm going to purposely not acknowledge you because you hurt me, you whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to go much deeper than that. Why is that so destructive? Because if we're walking around and acting like these things don't bother us, we know they do, right? Because mm-hmm. people feel body language. Yep. Right? You, you speak a lot even when you're not speaking. Mm-hmm. So I know something's wrong, but you don't want to address it. How are we supposed to move forward? Okay. And then what's the second part to what Sierra just said? Then we pretend like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. That's where the phrase sweeping under the rug comes from. It's as if nothing actually transpired and we're going to get back to normal, except it's not normal. Mm -mm. Because now, now, whether we talk about it or not, we're actually building resentment towards that person yeah. because you're actually letting this laundry list of issues build mm-hmm. the more we don't actually talk about it the more it's allowed to kind of aggregate and grow to the point where sometimes we blow up on each other yeah. because it's just a matter of time it's like a volcano that's kind of getting ready to erupt over time you know mm-hmm. you give it some time it's going to get to that point yeah. do you think or have you witnessed that at all in your family where it would get to that point or is it more just everybody just stayed out of each other's way for an extended period of time um i'd say it didn't and i don't necessarily think that it's gotten to a point where it's bolt like blown up or like boiled over or anything like that mm-hmm. I will say it wasn't until I started like seeking um like therapy for myself uh we're in 2023 so I want to say maybe like five or six years ago okay um it wasn't until then where like I actually started trying to have these conversations with my parents mm-hmm. like I remember um it was right after because i've seen a therapist at the university counseling center okay and we had started touching on you know just issues that had happened um and you know i literally got in the car and i called my mom and i just like busted out crying just telling her like everything that we had just discussed um back then like i didn't necessarily have the relationship with my father that i wanted Mm -hmm. and so just all of that just started like pouring out to the point where like she called my dad on three-way and we just tried to have like this you know come to jesus type meeting or (laughs) you know just a conversation just because it didn't necessarily i would say it for the like i would say it probably like blew up or like boiled over but not in the sense of like um it didn't come out of like anger or anything. It was mm. just, I was just tired and just, 
you know, it was it was a lot that I was dealing with and a lot sure. that I had going on. And um, I just had to sit down with the both of them and just kind of try to let it all let it all hang out. And even then, like even to this day, like we still have conversations just about not necessarily just that with like experiencing the silent treatment, but just like the way that, you know, we all communicate with each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's because my sister and I are getting better at communicating our feelings and the way that we feel um i'm not gonna lie to you my parents they still you know they're they're older they're stuck in their ways (laughs) there's there's generational Mm -hmm. challenges for sure yeah so i think it's because like my sister and i are trying to do a little bit better as far as like pulling that out of them Mm -hmm. it's getting a little bit better but it is still a very a very long process i would say absolutely and again, I appreciate you for, for sharing that. I think there's a lot of us out there that go through those experiences precisely because of the generational gap. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was talking about with another gentleman, something similar. Um, I like to touch on a lot about parenting uh, in my clinical practice and then just me being mindful of myself. I have an 11 year old son. Mm-hmm. And I think about like my experience a lot growing up and all the things that I, I kind of knew was wrong, but obviously I didn't, I was never allowed to say that. And I was never allowed to challenge. I was never allowed to confront. I was never allowed to assert how I felt. I had zero autonomy, Mm -hmm. like zero. And I realized like how much that bothered me. I was like always very curious. I always wanted to know why things were the way they were, why I had to follow certain rules. Like what was the justification? Mm -hmm. And I grew up primarily with my dad. And so he just was like, Hey man, it is what it is. So you can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And so I recognized that that was really difficult for me. And I never really liked that as a child and even as I got older. So I'm very conscious and very mindful to not replicate that with my son. So I try to keep more of an open-ended dialogue. Mm-hmm. So if like you want to know something, I'll talk to you about it. You know, if you're curious about something, let's discuss it. If you feel some kind of way, let's share. Because mm-hmm. I know what happens just from my clinical work with people is and it can always show up differently it can manifest in different ways some people will get really upset and they might get angry and they might get into a fight or they might abuse substances or they might you know whatever they choose to do some people they internalize all of that pain mm-hmm. so they end up taking it out on themselves yeah right yeah which is equally bad we mm-hmm. don't want people to do this the point that i feel like you're trying to make and you correct me if i'm wrong is we don't want those things to just sit there and bubble underneath the surface. Mm-hmm. If you want a closer relationship with somebody, you have to be willing to actually share with them how you feel and you want to feel like that will be received. Mm-hmm. Not that they're always going to agree, not that you're not going to have different viewpoints, right? Because we're allowed to see things differently than each oh, other. Yeah. But give me the space to actually articulate how I feel. Yes. Don't, don't berate me, belittle me, or invalidate me mm-hmm. because I want to share allow me to share and then we can have different viewpoints yes most definitely i agree with that a hundred percent um and i'll go back to what you were saying as far as like you know the experience that you had growing up with like just not really having that autonomy not being able to necessarily like ask questions or you know question anything like that and that just makes me think about just i feel like that's pretty standard when it comes to just kind of like i know personally for me and just like just kind of like the majority of the african-american households like Mm -hmm. you know you ask why oh it's because i said so don't question this don't question that because you know it's going to be seen as disrespect so it's like you know you grow up literally just following the rules never questioning anything yeah just 
you know, letting it go with the flow, even though it may be something that you're not necessarily comfortable with or, Mm -hmm. you know, you want clarification, not necessarily to challenge something just so that you can understand exactly understand like, you know, the situation that you're in or what you're about to do, you know, or why you can't do something. So absolutely. Yeah. No, and I appreciate that. That's something that took me like the longest time in therapy, like to really like when we were talking about confrontation, right? Mm -hmm. That was really hard for me. Like I'm seeing where I'm at now today. Like I wish I could have told my younger self that because I had none of that confidence whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I was like, my dad's a pretty intimidating dude. He's a big guy was in the Navy. So he he was a black man and militarized. So he was very much about structure and order. Discipline was very high. Corporal punishment was the norm, Mm -hmm. even on a heightened level. And so I talk a lot about that, especially to other parents to try to understand like, you know, a lot of the things that we do, again, a lot of people, most of us are creatures of habit. So we kind of replicate whatever we experience. For example, if I grew up and I was beat as the the primary way of punishing me for whatever I did, Mm -hmm. right? If I don't do the necessary work that I need to do, there's a high probability I'm going to do that into my own children. Not because I liked it. I could have hated it the whole time, but it's just, that's what I know. Yep. So we tend to do what we know until you get challenged and do something different. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I agree with that 100%. And I feel like that's why it's so important to seek out outside services just so that you can not even necessarily like, well, I'm always an advocate for therapy, but it doesn't even necessarily like have to um, be that in the beginning, but just like surrounding yourself with like different people who come from different backgrounds and things like Mm -hmm. that, just so that you're not always surrounded by the same people who come from the same place, who have the same like mindsets and things like Mm -hmm. that. Because like you said, it's very important to kind of challenge those thoughts because if you don't have, um, any sort of, you know, outside sources or anything like that, like Mm -hmm. you're going to think that, you know, some things that are, you know, fundamentally not okay. You're going to think that those things are okay. Oh, absolutely. I would tell my, me and my cousin, it's, and it's so, it's funny, but it's sad at the exact same time. And I talk about that a lot too. Like we can hold two feelings at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we were talking about punishments, right? In the black community in particular, because I was raised predominantly by my father. My mom passed away when I was really young. And so me and my cousin would joke about that. And it's, and it's, it's kind of twisted when you think about it. And I used to, we used to joke with him when it would happen to him, when you would, I don't know if you had this experience, but I'm just going to share mine. When we would hear each other, either hear of a beating that we got or hear it while it's happening outside, Mm -hmm. we would laugh, Mm. you know, we would Mm -hmm. laugh at them. Mm -hmm. We would laugh while it's happening, kind of clown them afterwards. And, um, and it's, it's kind of a strange form of trauma bonding that we would do afterwards as we've gotten older. Cause we'll look back at it kind of like a nostalgic pseudo positive sense mm-hmm. but we know we didn't like it mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because I think we're the community that experiences that the most I don't think most other cultural groups do really do that mm-hmm. and it's a unique kind of like trauma that we impose on each other not us as the children obviously right like we're just subject to it yeah but the parents mm-hmm. and I don't and again going just to make sure I'm making this point I'm not necessarily putting all the onus only on them too because they're also prisoners of the time that they were from and what was done to them Mm -hmm. a lot of times our parents are beat which is why again that's why they do it to us but at some point it has to change Mm -hmm. right and when you're going through it you don't like it so I try to hold that on one hand 
like understanding part of them may have been victims of their times, mm-hmm. right? But then the other part of me as a therapist, as a man and as a dad is like, man, we got to do better though. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just accept that. I can't just be like, well, it wasn't modeled for me. So I'm just going to regurgitate that back onto you. Sorry, son. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I can't do that. That just fundamentally conflicts with who I am inside. So at some point to what you were saying, I have to be willing to challenge my viewpoint mm-hmm. and recognize that doesn't have to be the only way. So let me take it just one step further. This is a question I would ask, like I would get a lot of moms. In my clinical practice, I get a lot of moms because they're bringing their sons. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions I would ask them is like, and we've already established that like beating is the main way of punishment. So I'm like, what does that accomplish when you do that? What What are you trying to achieve? What's the objective? And then, you know, they'll just say like, you know, I just want to let them know that that's, you know, that ain't cool. You can't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what I try to offer to them, because I've really spent a lot of time trying to understand the impact that it had on me and my older sister, because we talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think, number one, it doesn't create safety or security, which is absolutely necessary in a relationship of Mm -hmm. any kind, kid, partner, friendship, whatever. You need safety and security. You got to know that. I don't feel like I'm in threat mm-hmm. by merely being in your presence. Yeah. Right. Then I need to trust that I can be honest with you. If we want to have a real relationship, right? I have to trust that I can be honest with you and tell you actually how I think, not in a disrespectful way, but I can actually articulate and express what I yes. mean. Right. And so, and then to your other point, if I want to understand why things are the way that they are and you shut me down, that doesn't help foster good communication because you're kind of telling me maybe I don't really care what you think mm-hmm. you know yeah. you don't need to know any of this stuff just listen to what I told you and so I like to package sort of all of that together and just emphasize the point you can do that as the parent okay but understand what you're doing in the long term if you want this is my selfish goal I want to be the kind of parent that your kid wants to come back to you when they're older and they have real stuff they want to talk about and they actually want to know what you think and they want your perspective and they want your feedback dad i don't know what to do in the situation but i trust you Mm -hmm. what do you think i should do Mm -hmm. like i consider that the highest honor that you could have but you can't have that you're sort of sabotaging yourself inadvertently if you put that type of conditions on them when they're growing up, why would you think they would want to come to you and talk to you about anything? Yeah. And they don't realize it. And then like when, you know, the time comes when Mm -hmm. the kids like become older, they're able to, you know, think for themselves, you know, they go through situations like that. And then they act so confused when they're like, okay, well, if you were going through this, like, why didn't you come to me? I mean, nine times out of 10, it's because they didn't feel comfortable enough. <laughs> Turn to, if I had a mirror, I'd be like, put the mirror on right there and ask that question again. Why didn't you come to me? Yeah. Uh, maybe because this is how you treated me. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Why didn't I come yeah. to you? If I came to you anytime I was scared and you told me to stop being scared, you didn't explain anything. Mm-hmm. You didn't make me feel safe. Mm-hmm. You just told me stop being scared. If I tried to tell you what I was worried about, if I wanted to tell you something that I was excited for or hope or dream of mine Mm -hmm. and you were just like blah okay like that's what you're supposed like i I experienced that a lot with um when i was working with uh adolescents in my previous job Mm. um you know they were they were kids they went through stuff and they made a lot of dumb mistakes and things like that 
And I think it's, um, you know, their parents, of course, they, they, they get tired of trying to, you know, make excuses and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just, you know, kind of the way that they would approach things. And, you know, sometimes kids can exaggerate and things like that. Absol- but when it, absolutely <laughs> they can. Absolutely. when it comes to like the basis of things, you know, um, I don't have, you know, any kids of my own, but just hearing the things that they would say as far as, you know, even when, because, um, I worked, uh, at a behavioral health agency. So Mm. a lot of my kids dealt with like substance use and mental health. And so, um, you know, good things would happen as far as like, you know, my kid being sober for 30 days or them, you know, attending like all of their group sessions and things like that. And so, um, I had one specifically, she was one of my last clients and she, you know, told me how like she had been getting good grades. Um, she had been testing uh, negative for all substances for okay. a minute. And so like, she, you know, she tried to bring, you know, that type of good news. It's not even anything bad, not even trying to, you know, figure stuff out with her mom. But sure. even like when, you know, you bring good news to your parents and she was like, OK, well, I mean, what do you what do you want me to do you about it? Yeah. And so she was like, well, miss, like, I don't see the point in continuing to like try to do better or try to, you know, do this, that, and the third when not even like my own mom don't is going to be it. here to yeah support me and acknowledge it. Like, you know, obviously she went through some stuff and she did some things. And so of course, like, you know, a parent is going to get tired of, you know, the stuff that, you know, their kid does because they want the best for them. But it's, I, I don't know. I just also feel like it's important um, just no matter how small it is to, you know, continue to encourage your kids just cause I know even now, like that's some, that's some stuff that I look for now with, yeah. you know, from my parents and things like that. So I, I, I think it's always, it's always a factor. Like if you have, if you have a pretty strong relationship with your parents and even as you get older, I don't think it would ever not be a case where you would want to hear them say that they're proud of you mm-hmm. or they like the decisions that you're making mm-hmm. or the people that you surround yourself with i think that that's just inherent to being a like the, the parent-child relationship mm-hmm. i think we would all desire that what i will submit is what can happen when you don't have that type of relationship which is to go back to your phrasing uh the silent treatment mm-hmm. that's like me and my father we don't really have a relationship because there's not a lot. There's a lack of accountability and acknowledgement for what was mm-hmm. done, and if, and we can't move forward as men, as adults, if you can't acknowledge when you do things that are inappropriate, whether you yeah. think you're wrong or not. Yeah. Right. Any relationship, I'll always make this point. Every relationship is about two people and how they choose to see it, and mm-hmm. everybody doesn't have the same viewpoint. So I can be looking at it and say you did me wrong, and you could be saying. I don't understand. Help me understand. Right. But if you attack them and say, no, you're wrong. And I didn't do that to you. You're in, you're essentially creating this antagonistic relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. We have to be in opposition to each other all the time because yep. you're not allowing me to actually feel yep. you don't allow me to actually speak my truth and what I've experienced to you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean you're like the worst parent ever. What I'm saying is it impacts that potential for a long term loving warm relationship Mm -hmm. that you could have right and then if you you silo that for one moment on the flip side when it comes to relationship building as you become an adult it's going to be impacted based on what you experience with your family Mm -hmm. so if i'm get if i'm a young lady for example i can imagine if i don't have that type of relationship with my father it's going to be somewhat more difficult for me to deal with men yeah 
if I want to pursue men, it's going to be difficult mm -hmm. because I didn't get a good example of what that should look like with my father. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that statement? Heck yeah, I'm dealing with it now. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's definitely been difficult, and I don't like like using the term like daddy issues because I it just I don't like the way that it sounds. But yeah, I definitely I have you know finally like noticed and recognized how much like my relationship with my father um and you know the experiences that i had growing up have definitely mm -hmm. affected like what i look for in relationships what i tolerate in relationships how i as a person like act um and mm -hmm. move in relationships it definitely has it, it, it's been difficult so yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. and I, I know we're gonna get into that in a little while um but yeah i'd like to make that point because to me regardless of you know the purpose of understanding who's in the house is because that in shapes our initial reality mm -hmm. because perception is reality mm -hmm. right so if i have my parents there or i have a parent there we can also speak about one parent because that's obviously my lived experience if that one parent that I do have and we don't have a good relationship, that's going to make it very difficult for me to formulate strong bonds with other people outside yeah. of my house. Yeah. Because think about that. Think about that for a second from the kid's perspective. The people that produced me don't have the energy, the time, or the patience mm -hmm. to like allow me to exist the way that I want to, to share the way that I want to, to advocate for myself the way that I want to. They will mm -hmm. not allow me that space. Yeah. Think about that for a second. If you're the child, right? Then you get older. Then you want to date. You want to get a boyfriend. I want to get a girlfriend. You want to get married and have a husband. I want to get married and have a wife. Why would I assume that any man or woman would want to give me that space? If my own mom wouldn't do it, mm -hmm. if my own dad wouldn't do it, why would I presume that anybody else out there would want to say, yeah, I'm genuinely going to be there for you longer than the first month or the first six months. And I'm going to give you that space because I believe that you deserve that. And I've never felt that I've deserved it because I've never been offered it to me my entire life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something deep to think about, really. Yeah, because yeah. I mean... I don't know, because I once you kind of brought that into perspective, if that was like your, you know, that was the only person that you were supposed to depend on, you were supposed to feel some type of, you know, comfort in knowing that if anybody, if you had no one else, like you are supposed, you, you know, as a parent, you are supposed to, well, as a child, you are supposed to depend on your parent. That's, Correct. you know, of course, like probably what you see in, um, you know, with like your friends and their parents and mm -hmm. things like that, it kind of uh the pop the thought popped up in my mind because it's like where like where are you supposed to go like who are you great question going to lean on like who are you supposed to like find that comfort in and i think that's probably how i look at it as like i know that i'm deserving of love i'm no i know that eventually like that is something that i want and you know speaking into existence i'm going to have <laughs> but you will, you will. yeah but it's also like well how am i even um supposed to like move in that type of situation when it does happen like how am Great i supposed question. to act because i mean i love my parents individually they are wonderful people but growing up when 
you know, it was very integral for me to see that. I did not see that. So it's like now, which I know we're going to talk about it, but like, it's just. That's okay. You, hey, you, <laughs> if you, you want to go there, you can go there. Yeah. You know, it's just like now it's like I'm literally having to learn this, you know, by learning exactly what it is that I should not tolerate. And even when I know I shouldn't tolerate, it has been difficult in the past to just kind of like, you know, cut it off, cut dry. You know, I have friends um, that I grew up with, you know, obviously, you know, all that glitters isn't gold. So I don't know, you know, if anything or what happened behind the scenes. Yeah. But both of my two um, best friends from like elementary to high school, their parents were together. Their parents were still together. Um, My God family, like they are all still together. And so it's like seeing all of that and then seeing them come in to, you know, shelter like me and my sister from the stuff that, you know, my parents were going through or even to just like, you know, help them and console them when they were going through the stuff. It's like, dang, like I, you know, they're, they're united front. They're a big happy family and stuff like that. And so it's like, I don't even know necessarily how to register like what, that is supposed to look like because for the majority of my life I had you know dysfunction and when I say dysfunction like I did not grow up in a bad you know household or anything like that Mm -hmm. but my parents did fight a lot so it's so maybe maybe more dysfunction on the communication side yes and the communication like abuse or anything like that yeah 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 no it was literally just all like verbal so um being able to you know try to figure that out and like navigate that now it's definitely it's it's a little difficult (laughs) no for sure hey listen the only reason why i can talk about this stuff to the degree that i can is because i spent a lot of years in therapy trying to deconstruct a lot of this Mm -hmm. and even in grad school i remember it was difficult because i had to do a lot of role play we had to talk Mm -hmm. a lot about it (laughs) and so i had to get very fluent in trying to understand um what that must be like so trying to give credit in terms of the things that parents do to try to provide the best that they can because I I still I'm very much an optimist I like to believe Mm -hmm. that people do try to do the best that they can with whatever they have it's just their starting point might be really far away from what we would like them to be Mm -hmm. right so I hold that and at the same time I also say but then there's also things that we I would hope I would truly only hope that as individuals we recognize something's wrong what am I willing or prepared to do to address it? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the biggest sort of anchoring points of why we're having these types of discussions. Mm-hmm. Because it's so often we don't. We just simply don't. Yeah. And you, you can't change anything if you don't acknowledge that something's wrong. And if you're not willing to do anything about it, then expect more of the same. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So my hope in us having these discussions and really talking in more detail about this stuff and really willing to own a lot of this vulnerability that's really necessary right Mm -hmm. to get there is to inspire other people out there who may be seeing this and hearing this and thinking oh my situation is very comparable or similar to what sierra said she went through or what i went through and i need some idea of maybe how i can address some of these issues because all i know is i'm sad all the time Mm -hmm. i'm angry all the time I don't have healthy relationships with people because I never saw a healthy relationship before. So hoping to what essentially I feel like you were touching on was like getting healthier models of what that looks like. Because for most things, I believe you got to see it to believe it. Mm -hmm. It's easy to understand it when you see like, oh, this is two people. They look happy. Not just they look happy. They demonstrate 
what a healthy relationship dynamic is. Because mm-hmm. as you said, we only know what we see. So there could be a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that you're not privy to. Mm-hmm. And you know, people could really not like each other. But <laughs> if we find those examples, which you were touching on, like your God family and things like that, um, I resonate with that. Because with me, it was my extended family. Thankfully, I have a really large family on both sides. And my mom's side of the family, they, there's a lot more women over there. Mm-hmm. And so because I wasn't getting really any of that, or in all honesty, I was probably deficit emotional compassion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They helped balance me a little bit, mm-hmm. not fully because they actually didn't live in the same city. So that couldn't happen all the time. But when it could, it did give me some sense of like, it is okay to start to share these things. And, um, I always appreciated that, even mm-hmm. though I didn't know how to put that into words, but I knew that they at least let me have some of that space yeah. to try to understand that. And I know that everybody doesn't get that. And that just means that it makes it much harder to actually start recognizing that stuff may, be, may have been wrong mm-hmm. the way you had grown up. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I say I have not, like, obviously... Like what I was saying as far as like my friends and my god family, things like that, I would see that. Um, but I will say um, a positive turn, something that I've, I, I would like to think that I model the way that I look for, um, you know, men romantically is in the way that I see the way that my stepfather treats my mom. Um, mm-hmm. So they met, I want to say was definitely my freshman year of college I want to say like in 2016 Mm -hmm. they got married in 2018 um and just seeing like how he has treated her but it's like by then you know I mean I'm not I wasn't necessarily an adult my brain obviously wasn't fully developed and things (laughs) like that but it's like you know it takes a lot to unlearn you know the things that you've seen and so I will say like that has definitely been kind of like a um, a shining light in, you know, the darkness that I <laughs> call, um, you know, past, you know, examples and things like that. Sure. Um, and that's definitely been something that I've thought about as far as like, OK, well, I know I know what is possible and I know what some people are capable of like you know there I'm sure there are not two of my stepdad because he he's he's he is an amazing guy but it's you know just small things that you see um that I would say like that's something that I have really been implementing something that I didn't really have you know before Mm. um so I would say like that right there would probably be like my perfect example can you can you give us an example of some little things that you see that he does that you um, didn't see with your father and your mother growing up just like random acts of like kindness <laughs> random acts Such as? of like love as far as just oh well he thought that um like he knows that she likes you know this certain type of candy or whatever it's small stuff so mm-hmm. just like bringing that home with like flowers or something mm-hmm. my mom she started getting into plants when COVID happened this man went to home depot bought a bunch of like boards and stuff like that and literally built her um like a like a like an outside planter okay it's probably i don't know how tall it's a big it's a big big like just like planter box stand or whatever okay built it with his own two hands stuff like that she said one day like she was craving um 
I think it was either steaks or it was barbecue. Either way, the man went and bought a grill the same day because we didn't have, we literally didn't have a grill. Okay. He went and bought a grill and cooked her all of this food. Keep in mind, by that time, it was just us three like living in the house or whatever. And I'm like, you, like, you, you didn't have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. this is something that I never saw. <laughs> um, okay. So you know, and that's nothing as far as like. You know, that's not a pit down on, like, my dad or anything like that because he is an amazing man. He does what he can, like, for myself and my sister. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not just saying this, like, on his side as far as, like, the way that they showed love to each other because both of, they just, they were just not very compatible. (laughs) So, um, you know, just seeing, like, my stepdad do, like, these crazy random like small and also like extravagant things for her i'm like yeah that's that is what i i would want sure i mean i think that's why again those examples are so necessary right Mm -hmm. because you kind of get it you get a somewhat of an idea of how it could be for you Mm -hmm. and i think especially again when you're talking about male female dynamics that's even more important because so much of it we kind of learn on our own which Another thing I would kind of touch on, looping in what you just shared, the difference between how it was with mom and dad together versus mom and now your stepfather, Mm -hmm. right? What I think, something to kind of just genuinely kind of keep in the back of our minds when we're thinking about relationships, right? Relationship building. So we all have certain examples that we get, whether you like them or not, good, bad, and different. They're examples. So there's things that we're being taught explicitly, meaning mom and dad might be saying like, this is how this should happen. This is how this should be, whatever. And then there's the things that they show you through modeling, the things that they show you through their behavior. Mm -hmm. So to your point, when mom and dad are kind of like at each other's throats or they're arguing a lot or they're, you know, fussing a lot, that's demonstrating that's what relationships look like, Mm -hmm. right? When you're young, because we don't know any better. Mm -hmm. We only know what we see. And then what did you just talk about? You talked about, okay, so now I see my mom with the stepdad and now he's like listening. He's like paying attention to these little things that my mom talks about that she really appreciates. And then he makes the effort to do them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's being thoughtful. That's being intentional, which I think are all great signs. That's things that I think we would all want. But again, it's trying to understand like, where's that starting point? Where's our baseline here? Right. Because you said, prior to that I didn't know what to look for I'm still trying to figure that out I'm Mm -hmm. trying to decouple that because what I know is what my mom and my dad did for the majority of my life right Mm -hmm. I had the same problem because all I saw with my father not in terms of how he treated women because that necessarily wasn't a problem but it was more the way his and my relationship was impacted the way that I dealt with women Mm -hmm. in terms of I and I've said this on the platform before had issues with equating love and abuse together particularly physical Mm -hmm. and trying to understand that those two are not supposed to go together but in my case in my sister's case that's the way that we learned it because that's the only time our father would say that he loved us was after we got beat Mm. so it's very hard to understand that what you experienced although it was your lived experience doesn't mean that it was okay Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that we want that to be normalized Mm -hmm. but that's really hard if you've never been challenged yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. even if you disagree and you're like i don't like that it happened but there's a very high probability the first relationship maybe the first two who knows it might be all of them until you like you know hit a breaking point Mm -hmm. you might keep just 
entertaining people that are like reminiscent of what you had growing up and we had no business dealing with these people Mm -hmm. and yet we do yeah yeah that is that is a revelation i literally just discovered um a couple weeks ago (laughs) literally um because i was talking to uh my therapist about um uh uh past situation and just like just how it did not work out just because of you know communication and it wasn't necessarily sole communication we had completely different values at the core anyway and mm. you know it well, just well, well we, we're gonna definitely get into yeah. that one in a little bit um but it's it's just the communication and so she kind of you know um made the revelation of like okay well Sierra like how did um you know your communication like with your father and your mom look like Mm -hmm. and even like with my dad and I we uh you know we talk about things like he gives me a lot of advice as far as like you know work and like surface level things but when it comes to like tough situations a lot of times especially him and my sister we go at it I don't really go at it as much with him anymore just because I don't really feel like it and then also like he doesn't really give me too much but um okay. I know like in college a lot of the times like it would either be just full-blown fights or we literally just would not talk at all and so she was talking about how um you know I long like I told her like I longed for like just a more like a deeper emotional connection with my dad Mm -hmm. and she was like okay well what were you missing and I told her about like two specific past yes um and she was like okay so what were you missing in those past situations I was like oh my god emotional (laughs) communication (laughs) because we did we really like we did not have that and so I definitely made the realization that like what I lacked with my um with my father is what I had in these past relationships. And even there have been situations where there would be men that are very like emotional intelligent telling me, you know, how they feel about certain things that I would do. Mm. And I'd be like, what are you like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you, I, I would be confused. I'd be like, what are you like, like I'm why, not doing this. Why are you addressing like, this? Why, why are you sharing? these? Yes, things exactly. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is, like this is obviously something that I'm trying to work on now, but it's mm-hmm. like the thing that I want is what I have literally been driving away for so many years. And I like, I literally just discovered that maybe like three or four weeks ago. So that's powerful. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to reiterate that point again, because I think that we need to all make sure that we fully appreciate what you just said. So you said over the last two weeks in therapy, you have recognized that the things that you know you wanted from a partner you've pushed away Mm -hmm. and the things that maybe are more dysfunctional but that you're more accustomed to you have invited in Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's the power of environment yeah that's the power of perception because even the stuff again to your point the stuff that you know you don't want you allowed Mm -hmm. right this Mm -hmm. is part of our own self internal reflection Mm -hmm. right You allowed these people in that probably didn't deserve the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And the ones that wanted to give it to you, you didn't want it. And not in terms of you didn't truly desire it, but maybe it was so foreign. I didn't know. You you didn't know how to handle that. Mm -hmm. And so you let it go. Yeah. Is that kind of a fair characterization? That is 
right on the dot. That is exactly what okay. happened. <laughs> and I think, again, to your point, again, I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that's why it's so important for us to talk about these things, to kind of circle back to the parenting thing for a second. Imagine this for a moment. Go with me on this dream vision. So you and your mom have a fantastic relationship, your entire upbringing, okay? Mm-hmm. First serious boyfriend, uh, 19. And as part of the courting process, he needs to get to know mom and dad. Starts to get to know you, get to know mom. You have a good feeling. Mom sits you down. Sierra, sweetheart, I want to talk to you. There's some things about him that I don't agree with. Do you think if you had the level of connection and relationship with your mom at that time, in my fictional scenario, you would have probably avoided some of the men that you've dealt with? Probably. Because, I mean, stuff like that has happened. (laughs) Mm. Um, As far as, not necessarily, because out of, like, during my adulthood, she's only met one um, person and surprisingly she liked him but I also just left out a lot of the BS that I had mm-hmm. gone through with him wait wait oh. quick, quick follow up question mm-hmm. you said she only met one mm-hmm. so how many in total did you, were you dealing with that had you had maybe a serious relationship serious? with serious um eh, I guess I would probably say he was probably the only one as far as like actual serious okay like, okay yeah yeah how about only okay one. so for the sake of this example add in the ones that weren't as serious how okay. many are we talking in total not to uh, out yourself, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this somewhere, I promise. Um, oh, no, she actually, she admitted There was two. Okay, I'll, I want to say maybe total, mm-hmm. I want to say three or four. Okay. Um, but I... And I don't want to cut you. I do because there was another one that um, she had met, and it was a situation like that. But I I ignored her. Okay. Obviously, it ended. It didn't okay. End well, but yeah. So, so four. Yeah. So four. Two she met. Two she didn't. So fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Why did she not meet the other two? Um. Honestly. As much as you're willing to address that. Um. I think like the opportunities just weren't there and then also i just don't want to introduce my mom to somebody unless i know like this is somebody that i really mm-hmm. really like care about and want like the first time with the dude that i was like i i'd say i yeah, i would say i loved him um first love he, it's okay to own it, even if even it didn't go well. Ugh, I don't want him to see this. I don't want to <laughs> um, Hey, listen, I'll, I'll own mine, too. Listen, like, the, the first ones aren't always the best. Doesn't mean they're terrible people. Sometimes there's yeah, just a lot of learning that has to happen. Yeah, but I, I, I would probably say, um, yeah, he was probably my first love. Okay. And even with that, like, that was something, because he had come into town. And I, even at that point, like, I did not want him to meet her just because I don't know I like I value my mom's opinion a lot so I'll tell her about like even guys that I'm dating now I'll just be like oh yeah this is this that and the third just so that she you know knows Mm. um but I 
because she likes to bring people up. So even to this day, she still brings him up. I get that. She's like, oh, it's like, have annoying. you, yeah, like, have you talked to someone? I'm like, no, You're mom. Like, let, let it go. That was like three years ago. Literally, you stopped bringing them up. We are done. Like, we are, like, and we'll still, you know, communicate or whatever. Like, we, we do, like, check ins and stuff, but that's just, you know, just to make sure, like, we're good or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I also just don't like the fact that like she remembers these people and she bring she'll bring them up like how are you doing? But for the most part, I would just I don't even have like an actual reason. I would just say I just don't want them meeting my mom yet. Um, that's um, that's a big thing for me. Unless so, they're at a certain level. Exactly. No like if it's something where I feel like okay, like this definitely has some sort of like longevity or whatever, mm-hmm. then. I will make arrangements to introduce them to you, but respect. Yeah. Other than that. Nah. Okay. <laughs> and and I appreciate you sharing that. I feel like there's a couple of different ways we could take that because on one hand, you obviously, you mentioned that some of them mom met, gave her feedback. You ignored it because maybe you weren't like in that reflective state yet where you were like fully appreciating not just her feedback, but that, the seriousness that you want to have if you're going to entertain these people Mm -hmm. right and if mom's saying hey maybe they're not worth your time you're like okay i need to go move on Mm -hmm. because she doesn't fully agree i'm kind of maybe someone on the fence or there's some things that are missing that that i would like to have Mm -hmm. but going back to our point about the parental relationship if we have greater sense of trust and openness with them then we're willing to hear that feedback it doesn't mean we have to agree with it Mm -hmm. right but i'm willing to hear that feedback why because you have wisdom mm-hmm. because you have experience doesn't mean That's that good. we are the same it doesn't mean that your experience is my lived experience 100 percent. but this would be the point i would make to you and again I'll, I'll put it back on me some of the things that i've dealt with i will say i think i've been quite fortunate the relationships that i've had i think i've been pretty good about selecting partners mm-hmm. only the first one i think was a little bit of a challenge and it wasn't terrible it's just that um there's some stuff I didn't really know about myself at that time, like I said, in the way that my father was. But to me, I would be doing a huge disservice to my son, to my clients, particularly the young males, and anybody on this platform, if I didn't talk about that experience. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because a lot of times we don't share these honest discussions about what we've gone through. Mm -hmm. And that could be the difference between you dealing with somebody and you not dealing with them. Mm-hmm. between you thinking that relationship is going to be something real and your parents like, hold on. I'm not saying I know them, but that's very similar to what I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. And yes, times are different, generations are different, but people are fundamentally more often than not the same. Mm-hmm. Even in different parts of the world. Like, there's only so many different variations of, of humans. And so, if we have these closer relationships with them, perhaps we would seek that information. Mom, I want to tell you about this guy that I'm that I'm talking to. Okay. What's he about? Who are his people? What does he want? Mm-hmm. How does he treat you? Right? Why hasn't he met me yet? All these things. And then if I'm answering all that stuff like no, 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 no. Why? Yeah. Why are you dealing with them then? If you're answering no to all the important stuff, mm-hmm. right? Then why are you dealing with them? And then you have to kind of sit back or we have to then sit back and be like, I don't know. Yeah. That's a great question. I don't know why I'm dealing with them. And then maybe that's an opportunity not to say like you're wrong, but an opportunity to look in the mirror and say, 
maybe I should stop wasting my time. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, I'll say, like, I kind of go through that, like, that dialogue with myself or, mm. yeah, I would say, like, my friends. But, yeah, for the most part, like, myself, and that's what I had to really, like, sit down with myself with um, one of these last guys that I dated, the one that I was saying, like, our, our fundamentals are just off. completely off. Yes, I am... Um, I wouldn't even necessarily say like I am religious just because, you know, nowadays we like to say that we just are in a relationship with God. He yeah. has, he's just not, you know, he, he doesn't, um, he didn't have that. Yeah. So, um, you know, he was a spiritual person and I can respect that, but it's also just like, you know, I, I got, you got to give me something to work with. Sure. Um, and so like, we'd have conversations about it, but I felt as though not necessarily like I would ever expect someone to change for me, but I also just, I need someone to at least meet me a little bit where I'm at. Compromise. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, and so I had to really sit down with myself and I talked to my therapist about it because not even that, he was also one of the ones that I had talked to her about that had the same, you know, communication style as my dad. So it's like, mm. if we already have, you know, bad communication. Checking <laughs> and, in the wrong column. Yes, and we also just, you know, our, you know, fundamental beliefs and values are not the same. Like, I really should not be, you know, dealing with him. Although, you know, I, I enjoyed like spending time with him and stuff like that. And we had great rapport, but it's just like, you know, eventually, like I'm, for the most part, I am, I am dating to marry. You know, the woman's biological clock. It's, mm -hmm. you know, time is ticking. So I don't. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's not necessarily like I put any type of, and this is what I've learned. Like I don't really put too much pressure on my relationships, but I also know, like, okay, there are certain things and certain people that I probably should not, you know, necessarily spend too much time on, mm -hmm. um, and get too invested in because, you know. You know, I don't want to get my time wasted when I can. Absolutely. You know, spending it with somebody else. So. No, it's true. And I mean, I'm I'm gonna circle back to that because that's a. I think we can go. We're gonna go into great length when we get to that part. But mm -hmm. to me, just to summarize that little bit that you shared, to me, that's the difference between intentional versus non-intentional dating. Mm -hmm. If we're being serious, and we all, men and women go about it slightly different, but if we're gonna be serious, our approach is gonna look different than when we're just kind of casually dropping into stuff and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us, we're doing too much of that. Yeah. And we're kind of sad or surprised that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Not that it never works, but more often than not, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Because like most things, if you want something to work, you're going to put in the groundwork. You're going to make sure that you're trying to get a good sense of understanding what you want. How do you plan to achieve it? Creating some type of plan and an intangible objective, mm -hmm. right? To get the set goal. Yeah. If you're not doing any of that, then you shouldn't be surprised that you're not getting whatever outcome that it is that you want. Yeah, and exactly. I'm very outcome driven. Mm -hmm. That's everything that I talk about personally, professionally. It's if you see that your process, this is, I'll make this last point that we're going to kind of move on. If you see that the process that you are engaging in is not yielding the results that you want, change your process. Mm -hmm. I tell my clients that all the time. Like, I don't mm -hmm. care about your process, not in a, not in a disrespectful way but it's not working. Mm -hmm. So at some point, again, challenging the perspective, right? You got to do something different. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it might be us looking in the mirror and saying, 
my approach and how I do doing this is not getting me what I want. I'm worried about the clock. I'm worried about making this take longer than necessary. Mm -hmm. So let me maybe scale back a little bit, start talking about what we're going to talk about in a moment, a filter list of what are the, the traits and the qualities that I need in a person. So that way I'm intentionally doing this and I'm going to be much more likely to find an outcome of a person that I can actually build with mm -hmm. or create a sustainable long-term relationship, whatever that may look like. That's good. Yeah. But we'll pivot back to that. Let's go back to you. So as an adult, right, you happen to be another person who is in the mental health field, mm -hmm. right? Specifically in social work. And so I want to learn and help the audience understand a little bit more about what caused you to want to pursue that particular field. So, um, I originally, um, well, in high school, I was really big into TV production. Um, so I graduated high school thinking I was going to do sports journalism. Oh, okay. I love sports. I love journalism. I love being in front of the camera. And so I was like, you know what? That's what I'll do. Um, but I think... I just didn't make the sound decisions as far as even as far as just like where I went to school at mm. um, because I had the option of doing which I just you know I was young and I was not and looking back on it I don't regret anything but um, mm. you know I just did not pick the school for that Florida State was not you know I mean they had like seminal productions we have you know great sports teams and things like that but I also I just felt like there were other options, better mm -hmm. options. Um, UF, UCF, you know, those were some pretty good schools when it comes to like journalism. And so I just didn't pick it. So anyway, that ended up not working out. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was in this organization, it was a community service organization. And um, we would do volunteering at yeah. this like local church. And um, I also was in like a service learning uh, class and we would volunteer as well. And both were like after school tutoring opportunities. Awesome. And so um, that's where I kind of like developed my passion for like working with kids. Like in middle school and high school, um, I would I was like a counselor for like a summer camp down there and okay. I, it was fun, but I was like, eh, you know, whatever I want to do TV. So, <laughs> you know, you know, I'll just forget about the kids, kids for can a little watch bit. Me when I'm on TV. Exactly. So anyway, life happened, you know, and so I started getting back into what I knew. And at that point, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do with it. I knew I wanted to do some sort of therapy because the kids that I were working with, they came from, um, you know, lower income backgrounds, you know, parents, they were doing all that they could, but they didn't necessarily have the emotional intelligence to really like support their children. Sure, and so sure. at that point, I didn't know exactly how to go about therapy. At first I was going to go the psychology route, but then I was like, well, psychology is more so like focus on the brain and stuff like that I kind of want to focus on the entire person as well as their environment so mm -hmm. my friend she was in the actual BSW program at Florida State and so you know once you know junior senior year started rolling around she was telling me like about the MSW program and so um I started looking into masters of social work seeing the different options and stuff like that um, and I was looking at, you know, how much you can make when you become licensed. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, sign <laughs> me up. <laughs> like, I can I can do this. Um, so that's pretty much how I got started in social work. Um, I went through, like I said, like, I want to say, like, between 
end of 2016 to like 2018, I went through a lot of rough stuff. And so my GPA wasn't even to the point where I thought I was going to get in. So I was just, I was holding on with a prayer. Like I didn't know I was gonna get in, um, but I applied. Thankfully I got in. Um, and then you also had the option of either going like the clinical route or um, the social leadership route. So I decided to do clinical and that's pretty much how I ended up where I am at now. So That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I always find it kind of funny in general, right? Like how we end up picking the paths that we pick. Mm -hmm. I don't know about your, I'm going to ask you in a moment. I don't know what your parents' education or background is like, but for me, um, I'm the first one in my immediate family to like get a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. My father got like up to associates because he's a, he's a RN nurse and um, education was always very important, but there was definitely different expectations kind of set between me and my sister. And I was kind of like the high achiever. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of naturally kept pushing myself. But one of the things that you said that kind of stuck out to me for a moment was you struggled at times academically. Mm -hmm. And I had similar experience. This to me goes back to why it's so beneficial when you have those good relationships with your parents and there's wisdom that they can give to you. Unfortunately, my father didn't have a lot of the experience in this particular area, so not that he could have given me a lot, but something's better than nothing. But I had to figure out a lot of that stuff on my own. Mm -hmm. And I happen to have learned as I've gotten older, a lot of people in the black community in particular, that's a lot of our lived experience. We commonly say things like we're first generation students. Mm -hmm. And so first generation means what? Like we make all the mistakes. Mm -hmm because nobody's really guiding us. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of trying stuff and trying to figure out what works. Mm -hmm. So our GPAs may suffer. We may not get into the programs that we wanted. We may have to pivot into something else because we don't have like these beautiful organized systems, particularly within the family structure where maybe both parents have gone through the collegiate system. So they understand a lot about what tips and tricks to tell you so that way you can be successful once you make it to that level. Mm -hmm. A lot of us don't get that. So we kind of slip, trip, fall, bump our head, and then we have to keep trying to figure out, okay, how can I still work towards whatever objective? Mm -hmm. And so I had a very similar experience to you. Like I kind of went up and down for a little while. Thankfully, once I got um, to UCF, it was a, I was able to be very, very focused on a lockdown and I was able to do much better. But it took that period of kind of bumping my head and making these pitfalls um, that I think probably wasn't absolutely necessary I think for a lot of us, it's not to say we're going to have this seamless process, mm -hmm. like you're a perfect student. For a lot of us, we have to work, mm -hmm. so we don't have the benefit of having somebody kind of absorb all of your financial burden, yeah. you know, so you have to work, which means that's going to eat into some of your time to study, things like that. Those are like inherent challenges that like we may face in, as a cultural group more than maybe others, mm -hmm. so to speak. So I think that that's important because you said that was kind of a determining factor not maybe the biggest one but part of what caused you to kind of make that pivot mm -hmm. um, but also in just thinking about how we find these fields so the helping fields right now I'm not in social work to be fair I'm a mental health counselor they are different a lot of people don't understand the differences right mm -hmm. I'll, I'll break it down real quick because I actually don't think I've ever actually done this on an episode and I remember we had to talk about this at school so you got psychiatrists psychologists social workers and then usually mental health counselors, marriage, family therapists, school counselors, like we're all kind of more or less the same. Mm -hmm. Just the environment's different. Mm -hmm. So I would always explain, so psychiatrists are the medical doctors that actually go to medical school yep. and they just specialize in psychiatry. 
Psychologists, from my experience, you know, most of them go, they have to go like the highest education route you can go. Some of them go the master's, but a lot of them go bachelor's to uh, PhD mm -hmm. or PsyD. And they're usually big on assessment, testing, yep. evaluations, things like that. Like, in my experience, it's been severe and persistent clinical mental health disorders, mm -hmm. right? Which is not the stuff that I typically deal with. Mm -hmm. Social workers, I think a lot of us are maybe a little more accustomed to them. They're like the people you think about where if you're in a hospital setting, if you have to deal with like children being removed from homes, abuse allegations, all these types of things, they're the ones that are helping sometimes with like the case management side. Some of them do actual therapy with their clients. So they can, you know, very multifaceted. Mm -hmm. But the modality and how you all are trained, in my experience, is a little bit different than mm -hmm. how... Uh, mental health counselors are, are trained mm -hmm. uh, triage you see a lot of them work with like police departments emergency yeah. services right yeah. you don't necessarily see counselors and traditional therapists in that sense do that we they tell us i believe it's true to a certain degree more we try to go from that we say everybody uses the term holistic but i believe in terms of physical mental and emotional health almost like this trifecta of areas that you need to pay attention to mm -hmm. so you can you're considering their environment that they came from you're considering um, their parental relationships. You're considering if they have any type of biological, actual disorders, something genetic that they might've been predisposed to. And then the approach, of course, is a little bit different in terms mm -hmm. of how other professionals are trained. So it's not a dig on anybody, it's just more to understand when we're describing these things. Yeah. So you going down that social work route is slightly different obviously than what I do, but the impact is very much in the same wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, most definitely. Okay. So just piggybacking on that a little bit back to you, how do you foresee maybe your impact being in the social work realm? What what is it that you're maybe hoping to achieve? Um, well my main goal right now is to get my license, um, okay. to become a licensed clinical social worker so that I can do like you know, real therapy. Like I'm a, I've been a master's level um, therapist and things like that. But mm -hmm. being able to have my license, I'll just you know have a little bit more flexibility and things like that. Um, so right now, that is the goal. I know, you know, I've had thoughts. I have no clue as far as how I'm going to make it happen or how it's going to look or how soon I want to do it. But I do, I have had thoughts um, about you know, you know way 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 far away from now um kind of like opening up my own uh center for kids so kind of mm. like an after school type situation okay um there is this place a quick shout out palmer it's called palmer monroe teen center up in tallahassee okay um volunteered there a couple of times um and it's kind of just like an all-encompassing opportunity for teens like obviously an alternative to them going out doing stuff that they're not supposed to do after corner. school yes exactly mm. um so just you know providing them with the ability for like different like life skills um different like classes yeah. um athletic opportunities but then also kind of like bringing in um the opportunity for like you know mental health counseling therapy and things like that um <clears throat> So that is something that eventually I want to do 
like I said, it's literally just a thought. I have no clue how sure. I'm going to, you know, make it happen. But I do know, like, once I, um, you know, get a little bit of footing in this field, a little bit more experience and things like that, that is something that I want to eventually accomplish. Even if, like, you know, it's you going back up to Tallahassee and, you know, doing something with the already existing center or finding, you know, um, something like that in the area that I'm in. Um, I do know that that is a passion of mine though and something that I do want to accomplish one day sure it's interesting I'm not familiar with that organization but shout out to them regardless in, in terms of what they're doing but when you described that it reminded me of the Boys and Girls Club yes that too what you yes. described, which I'm a huge advocate of I'm a, yes. I'm a product of the Boys and Girls Club yes I um, volunteered with the Boys and Cl Girls Club um, I think another shout out you know shameless plug or whatever um, the Oasis Center for Women and Girls I mm. was um we did this, uh, there were weekly uh, group therapy sessions mm. um, with kids at, it was for the most part, it was, I know I had a group at the Boys and Girls Club, but there was also another center and I hate that I am blanking on it right now. Um, it might've still been the Boys and Girls Club, but I, I, I can't exactly remember, but um, we work with them a lot too. And that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what they offer as well. Okay. Um, but I just remember the Pomeroy Team Center just because it was like an actual, no, that like, makes sense. you know, but yeah, so um, that is definitely different people out here doing the work. Mm -hmm, exactly. Exactly. But that isn't, those are both amazing organizations. So. Yeah. I, I try to talk about them because my experience when I was growing up, um, so I'm from Gainesville, Florida, and that area is like, especially when I was growing up, was very kind of just black and white for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a very firm, I would say, split between as more or less in middle school, like where people went. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there was the Boys and Girls Club, which I feel like majority of the people were like people from the BIPOC community, but also because it was a the barrier to entry was a lot lower because the cost was like super cheap mm -hmm. uh, and then you had the YMCA and the YMCA was like most of my white friends would go there mm -hmm. obviously a lot more expensive but the point was like the premise obviously was very much the same like kid, keep kids engaged maybe in athletics maybe martial arts um, some type of sport opportunities to connect with maybe kids that are in their school don't go to the same school tutoring obviously for those that may need additional support from an academic standpoint mm -hmm. i don't remember if they had therapists there my guess is probably not because that was a different time back then mm -hmm. i hope they're doing it now if they're not i, I would love to support them yeah. but in general the purpose was to you know keep us out of the street mm -hmm. and uh especially for those that had like working parents who you know didn't get off for a long time and so i'm always a big believer in that mentorships another big one that's really important mm -hmm. to me i loved getting that at the Boys and Girls Club. I believe the YMCA does that the same. And um, I know how important that is, especially for the youth. Because again, yeah. we talked earlier about modeling. Some of us, you know, we're coming from households where you're like, you, you're not really getting any positive examples. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just gonna keep it real. Like I've done in-home therapies at some places. I've worked in the, with foster kids, um, with DCF. I've, I've done a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I've seen some of these environments these kids are coming from. Yeah. And so I have no delusions that some of them really don't, you can't really be surprised the way that they behave, mm -hmm. you know, cause you see the way that the people who take care of them behave yeah. and it's like, come on, man, you're just rinsing and repeating yeah. what's they going on at home. In the home. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which I'm a huge believer. And again, that's why I'm, I'm so big on environment. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, 
I believe that that's why those programs should exist. And it's great that we have more people to either strengthen the ones that we have, create new ones, you know, whatever. Because I think it's it's important because there's going to still be an extraordinary amount of kids who need that level of support mm -hmm. and may not get it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So it's great if you have somebody like you that wants to go do that type of work in whatever capacity, then that would be helpful yeah. across the board. And then in speaking of that and sort of the way you mentioned, you gave us this obviously this paradigm of there's a lot of things that I experienced growing up that. I know I need to change. I know I need to be different now, but obviously I didn't know it at that time. Do you think, not just from what you physically experienced, but was there any aspect of that that was maybe from a cultural lens that from your family, just you can, you can keep it just specific to your family if you want, that was maybe more acceptable from a cultural standpoint. And even though you disagree with it, maybe now or agree, it helps shape the way that you see yourself or you see relationships with others. Okay. Second, I'm trying to think. Sure. So something that I observed or learned that is that I'm still like acceptable of. What you that's what you're well, saying? Well, it could be you're accepting or not accepting it. Not accepting. So for example, let, let me give an example just to drive this idea home because okay. we're talking about from a cultural lens. So we talked earlier about how I said culturally in my experience most black families it's very common to utilize corporal punishment mm -hmm. for discipline, mm -hmm. right? It's a very commonly acceptable experience. Does that mean that we agree with it all? Mm -hmm. No, but culturally it is a very common accepted experience. Do you think however you identify, however your family may identify, are there things that you recognize from a cultural lens that you may align yourself with or things that you, there are expect, expectations of you, but you don't align yourself with? Um, I think I would kind of go back to um, what we were talking about earlier with like sweeping things under the rug. That's the, okay. that's the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. Um, and I will say that it's something again just I'm, I'm trying to unlearn a lot of stuff but that is something that I even to this day there have been situations that have happened recently that I would I've just you know like just let it go um I'll like I I didn't necessarily feel as though it's something that needed to be addressed but it's also like I mean you know it wouldn't have hurt to address the situation um and I think that that's something like I said like with you know arguments with like family and things like that that is you know rarely have you know we ever like we'd have discussions about it, but mm. I feel as though it, you know, would happen maybe like days or weeks after, um, you know, when we've you know, certain, you know, we forget about stuff or, you know, I guess maybe we're just not as mad or whatever, sure. but that is something that I've, I'm, I'm trying to unlearn and something that I definitely do not agree with, but I, I will wholeheartedly say, I feel like this is something that across the board a lot of you know black family minority fa honestly minority families in general have adopted and have done as far as just not really addressing it and not wanting to have uncomfortable situation like uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. um just for the sake of you know keeping everybody happy or keeping everybody comfortable so which i would submit back to you i would challenge that idea and say the illusion of mm -hmm. keeping people happy mm -hmm. You're right. Because not addressing it doesn't actually make you happy. Yeah. It just maintains the peace somewhat mm -hmm. because you're not actually dealing with it. Yeah, that 
that is right. you're right but it's still going right. to be sitting there underneath the surface mm-hmm. we know that from a clinical perspective it's absolutely going to impact you in the oh, way yeah. that you deal with that person or people um even as time progresses mm-hmm. but i do think to your point so you're kind of describing a, a family systems culture right mm-hmm. that dynamic that existed inside of your household mm-hmm. which is still a form of culture and essentially a lot of what you're trying to take away from and trying to move away from because you recognize that a lot of it maybe wasn't the healthiest way to engage with other people yeah is that yeah. okay to say yeah okay most definitely I think, again, that those things are important just because it helps us understand what are the expectations that are impressed upon us when we're younger? What are the things that you are expected to do even if you truly don't agree with them, even Mm -hmm. if you didn't like them, even if you'd like to change them? Because there's sort of this internal conflict that happens when expectations are put upon you, Mm -hmm. right? Especially cultural ones. It's you're supposed to do things like this. You're supposed to behave like this. You carry yourself like this. But what happens if those don't gel with you? Mm Mm-hmm. How do you learn how to navigate that in a healthy way? Do you just run away from it and you try to like avoid that and maybe other issues because you don't want to confront stuff? Do you learn how to deal with them head on, but maybe you do it in an overly aggressive and hostile way because nobody teaches you how to use your words in an effective way? Mm -hmm. These are all the nuanced ways that we end up learning or inadvertently learning how to try to deal with things. Yeah. Right. But that matters. It really, really matters because it sets the tone. Mm-hmm. It sets like a precedent. If it happened once, it's likely going to happen again. And then we sort of grow accustomed to it even when we don't like it. That's like a form of culture. Yeah. Does that make that's, sense? Yeah, that's good. So <laughs> I, like to, I, I like to mention that point because sometimes like we don't deconstruct these things very well. Mm-hmm. You know, or we kind of stick to the surface of like, no, you got to go deep, man. Mm-hmm. You got to get to the root of stuff if you really want to address things. If you want it to be better. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so, and speaking of that, you obviously kind of answered this question already, but if you wanted to elaborate a little further about seeking out mental health services. So we've obviously touched on how, for so many of us, there's a lot of things that are beneath the surface that we probably should be talking about and should be working through, mm-hmm. but we don't for, you know, maybe a variety of reasons. But you clearly have. Do you remember the first reason why you initially decided to seek out therapy? Um... I want to say it was probably because of um, the romantic relationship I was in. Mm. Um, Yeah, back then, because, yeah, I I first saw a therapist, I want to say that was 2017. Mm. And I was just, I I was going through a lot. Um, And so... I just needed somebody to talk to that wasn't necessarily like familiar with my situation. Like my friends were great, they're supportive, um, but it's very, very helpful to have someone who doesn't know, you know, I don't know. It just, it's, it felt comforting having someone that you didn't necessarily like know you and only knew like the specific like facts and stuff, mm-hmm. um, of the situation. And so that's probably, that's why, um, I sought out help. And then also just because of like how bad my, um, relationship had been with my dad during that time, just because of like the fallout of, you know, the divorce and the way things had happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to say that was the reason why. So I went and I got connected with a therapist at the university counseling center. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is happening right when you were what, in undergrad? 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like for the issues that you went there for, do you feel like you got any type of productive feedback, anything you could actually try to like work off of? Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I don't really think so. The only thing that I remember that stuck with me was I forgot what had happened at that point. Um, this was all the way into the new year. Uh, so this was in 2018, one of my last sessions with her because she like she had to move so yeah um but the last thing the one thing that i remember was i was going through it with the same dude and the one thing that i remember was like her saying like okay well look back at what you have been dealing with for like these last couple of years and things like that is that something that you want to bring into your new year and so like just like is that literally something that you want to continue to repeat yes and that's something that i listen to you know for the the most part now uh i didn't (laughs) listen to it back then but i because you know i there were there you know a couple years went by but that is something that stuck with me but i will say um and i i wonder where she is now but I, i i will say um it took a while my therapist right now she's the one that I really feel as though like I'm actually doing some sort of like work in trying to like correct um my outlook on things and correcting my behavior um but I I mean although it didn't necessarily work out with the first therapist that I had she definitely didn't uh put it she didn't leave like a sour taste in my mouth or anything about therapy I mean obviously I'm trying to be a therapist now so <laughs> <laughs> no that's good and I mean and I appreciate you making that point um I am in general a fan of like counseling centers on campus but I also completely understand that they're very limited mm-hmm. in scope of what they can do yes especially depending on the type of institution you're at for mm-hmm. example I went to UCF and so second largest institution in the country so that means the student population is massive yeah so there's only so much you know access you can have in terms of you know crisis intervention you know it's usually pretty standard but if i want to have like a long-term relationship with my therapist it's probably going to be limited to a semester maybe two mm-hmm. um, which doesn't mean you can't get anything done but it may mean you know you might need some additional work that you got to do outside of yeah. the school environment yeah so i think it could be a good like on-ramp for a lot of folks that maybe have never had it mm-hmm. and so i think it is important for us to just you know number one to get started if you know that you're having issues that you have kind of largely swept under the rug or just not dealt with they can kind of be that initial mm-hmm. let me get a sense of what this looks like how this could feel and trying to get some level of production out of it yeah. but know that there's still going to be more that i'm probably going to have to get done on my own mm-hmm. i think that that's important but the starting point also is really important so the relationship is what drove you to it and the relationship also was connected to the relationship with your dad mm-hmm. so relationship with X at that time was the initial reason why you started but then as you're maybe working through it and I'm asking I'm trying to clarify I'm not speaking like I know and then as you're speaking with them and you're working through the process you recognize that the relationship with dad is a reflection of why maybe you're dealing with the person that you're dealing with or some of the issues that you allowed to happen I think it was more so I wish I could like actually remember so I can give you like a that's okay I mean the best you can obviously it's okay um I want to say I think it it was more so a situation where like stuff well actually no um 
because I, I remember she asked me like what I wanted to work on and I know that that was um, the guy was like the main thing that I wanted to discuss but I also knew that I wanted to try to like work through and process this stuff with my dad mm. so I think okay. like he probably was the catalyst for it but I you know there was also stuff that I had going on in the back of my mind that I like I still wanted to address in okay. relation to my dad okay so maybe dad in and of it the situations that you had with him at that time mm-hmm. in and of themselves were not enough to get you in the door yeah the boyfriend was yeah but once you got there you're like okay I, I know I also need to deal with these things too. Mm-hmm. okay and listen, and I only ask, and I appreciate you sharing that because we all have different ways and how we may start that journey, right? Uh-huh. I don't think there's like one right or wrong way to do it. It's just more important that you start, yeah. right? Whatever. I only ask because I'm curious because to me, again, a lot of the things that we deal with later on in life are simply a reflection of what we experienced early on in life. Mm. So to me, what you said is a perfect, like almost textbook definition of that. The things I'm dealing with with this guy make me reflect back on what happened with my father, the first man that typically a young lady is going to fall in love with mm-hmm. and have a healthy relationship, you know, we would, we would hope. So if that one didn't go as expected, naturally the ones with other men probably not going to, especially if it's like early on in your, your life, those are probably not going to go as expected. Mm-hmm. So understanding the relationship that those two have on each other is I think important. That's an important takeaway if you decide to engage in therapy. Mm-hmm. Is that at all like what you've touched on since you've been doing this type of work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. most definitely. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's continue with that thought. So again, you initially started off therapy because of a partner. Outside of just that one, how would you describe the other relationships of other partners that you've had just in your life so far? Mm, rough I would say rough why rough uh, just cause like I really I have had problems really just expressing um like you know my wants and my needs um mm, okay I'm I'm I'll give it like so on the perspective of like the uh guys that you know I would look at and say they didn't do me right I think to take like I used to be very like oh my god like he's he's horrible he won't do this he won't do that but recently I've you know kind of taken a step back and been like okay well he wasn't doing this but what did you do to try to address the situation or try to fix it I never spoke up um and so good reflection yeah i you know they were they were not that good just because they would do stuff but i just would never really address the situation i would just did you push back at all uh like push back as far as so like if they told you if they did something that you didn't like or you you disagree with do uh-huh. you sit down and be like when i say push back is is in terms of confront them and say like hey when you did this this really bothered me and i would really appreciate it if you would change that behavior or change this approach Mm, from what I can remember not really I may have like made like a passive aggressive joke about it or whatever but um I yeah for the most part no I never really would address it um and that's you know that's that's something that I've tried to do better as far as like expressing like what bothers me and things like that Mm -hmm. um 
but yeah for the most part I didn't I never really said okay this is what my issue is like are you going to fix it or whatever most of the time it will literally just be passive aggressiveness and you know they may not have taken me seriously or I may have gotten you know um shut down or like gaslit into thinking like I'm just tripping or something like that yeah um as far as where I was the downfall of certain situations um with guys that I've dated uh it was more so what I was saying earlier as far as um me acting like he was crazy when he would address something that I would do wrong so literally like the stuff that I would get mad at guys about I'd turn around and literally do the same thing um and that's actually something that I just realized with one of the last guys that I uh was dating or whatever um you know we weren't in a relationship or anything like that but I had noticed that like oh my god like the same thing that I was doing to so-and-so is literally like what I'm experiencing with this dude and I'd be like oh my god like is this my karma like what is going on um but you know for the most part it was just me not even being able to necessarily communicate um you know maybe my side of the situation if he's addressing what the issue was with me and not even being you know at the time like mature enough to really accept that I was doing wrong um you know I would make them feel like they were crazy it's bad like when I think about it and when I reflect on it because I'm like oh my god like why you know the same thing that I'm getting irritated with people about was the same thing that I was doing but that's good awareness though yeah yeah that's that's, that's how change happens Mm -hmm. when you have when you realize sometimes we create our own dysfunction Mm -hmm. and again it could be perpetuating from like what we experience right like Mm -hmm. we've already established but I love that you just said that and I appreciate the accountability Mm -hmm. right because I think that that is something that is sorely being missed in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. where and I'm not thinking this isn't you this isn't any particular group but I think we live in a society now where it's very easy and quick for us to judge each other and to put the blame on each other. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to just sit there and just really recognize like, hey, I did this and maybe this is why I got the outcome that I got. Mm-hmm. And maybe I need to make some adjustments in the way that I talk to people, treat people, treat myself in order to get the outcome that I want. Yeah. So before I, I go on a tangent, I want to ask you a follow up question. If you had to kind of profile the guys that you had dated, right, to a certain degree, what are some things that they had in common that you noticed? Because obviously it didn't work with any of them up to this point, right? Mm -hmm. What are some things that you noticed, um, maybe you didn't notice at the time, but you notice now that maybe helped lead to the downfall of those relationships? Um, I feel like it all goes down to communication. Okay. Um... And I also feel like I maybe wasn't as assertive as I feel like I could have been with, of course, going back to like my wants and my needs. So like to um, uh, the first guy or whatever, um, I remember one time, like, cause we just, we, we it just could never it it just it just never worked out we could never get it right um and I remember he there was one time where he had told me he was just like you know just basically like you're just not aggressive enough with like what you want and what you need Mm. and I was like 
So he went. We're not wrong. Like that. I mean, that's basically what he said. Um, Because at that time, I was still putting like a lot of the blame for like why things, you know, weren't working out. Um, I put a lot of blame on him. And so he like, you know, a lot of times, you know, they're neither of us were right. But that was the first time I was like, dang, like I, I really don't you know express like what I want and so it's like if neither sides are communicating like how is any type of progress going to happen and so it's just you know I'm trying to do better on my part Mm -hmm. but it's hard when you don't have someone who can communicate in a healthy way and I'm trying to unlearn a lot of this stuff so the way that I might address things like I'm still pretty shy in it like I I may not be 100% direct with it but at least I'm trying and so if you have someone who is not trying at all who's you know not you know giving anything like you know it's I kind of end up just feeling like okay well what am I supposed to do and I just end up just letting it go that's a beautiful point I don't know if everybody caught that but I will reiterate that point Um, relationships take two people you can't drag it by yourself I mean you can attempt to but you will fail and you'll fail miserably at it you need to have both people on the same page Mm -hmm. who are willing to actually try to work through those issues and you say communication communication in my experience particularly with couples is 99% of the time the issue Mm -hmm. there's like a breakdown they stop talking maybe they never spoke about things before Maybe they got used to sweeping things under the rug, pretending that things don't happen, just kind of let time elapse and hope that we just magically feel better, which is not true and it does never work. Um, So it shouldn't be surprising then that, again, we find ourselves in these situations that we're in. Like to me, you you made one of the hallmark points that I always like to think about and I want to remind us about. You can't get things that you want that you are unwilling to address and speak about. Yep. One thing that's different between men and women is that men are very direct. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've even had um, female clients, we've talked about this before, and I would always find it kind of funny. Um, they would say things like, you know, I want to leave him the breadcrumb trail and I just want him to kind of figure it out. And I would say, I get where you're coming from. But what I'm thinking about, again, I told you I'm very outcome driven. So I say, how's that working for you? Mm-hmm. And then they would say, it's not. I'm like, okay, so why don't we try something different? I'm telling you that the vast majority of us are very direct. When I say us, I mean men. We're very direct. If you want something from us, you need to, the best thing you could do is sit us down, look at us, say, hey, I would like to have a discussion with you. Do you have some time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweetie, sure. What's up? So these things have been going on for a little while now, and it's actually really bothered me for quite some time. And I don't know why, but I've been hesitant to speak about it, but it's really concerned me and it really bothers me. And I really want to figure out a way for us to address this issue so that I don't have to keep feeling like this anymore because it's making me want to be distant from you. And eventually, if it continued, it would make me want to walk away from this relationship. Right? Yeah. That's direct. Mm-hmm. That's being assertive. Yeah. But if we're being intentional with people, then we would move like that. We would behave like that. We would engage in that way. Because mm-hmm. we understand it is necessary. I understand it might feel unnatural, perhaps, for a woman to have to speak in that way. And we're certainly not saying all women. But in general, it seems to be that men would want that more direct form of communication from that female partner. Mm-hmm in order to actually address said issue so that we can move forward and hopefully 
come to a compromise or realize we cannot dis- determine a compromise and we may need to go our separate ways, but mm-hmm. this does not need to get dragged on any further. Yeah. What do you think about that? I agree. Um, it sounds great. I would say that is not something that, that is not a skill that I have perfected yet, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it works. Um, Agreed. Like it, and I don't just, dis- I don't disagree with you on anything because a lot of times, like the people that I've dealt with, like they, they literally need you to literally sit them down and tell them exactly to their face what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that has been a little bit difficult for me for the one who said like I wasn't aggressive enough or whatever. Like it just, you know, there were obviously issues like on both sides, but like that's something um that like looking back Mm -hmm. if I could have changed it like I would have you know been a little bit more aggressive and assertive with what you know I wanted and what I felt as though I needed Mm -hmm. um but I I agree with you wholeheartedly and I feel like it's just it could avoid a lot of issues arguments this that and the third Mm -hmm. if that's something that was consistent like across the board for like everyone (laughs) oh yeah who you telling preach to the choir (laughs) i'm with you i mean i see that so often and like i said uh, in my clinical practice that it's something that just fundamentally bothers me to my core Mm -hmm. because i see people who seem very reasonable very respectful of each other but what i see that can happen is when you put when you put any two people in an environment where they feel like they either need to withhold information avoid confrontation or avoid maybe certain levels of engagement with each other to me that is a disaster waiting to happen Mm -hmm. i don't know when it's going to happen but at some point it's going to blow up in your face Mm -hmm. and i'm simply trying to inform us and give us insight to say it doesn't have to go that way there's usually one of two outcomes of attempting relationships right it works or it doesn't if i want to know if it's going to work i need to be willing to lay my cards on the table Mm -hmm. right i gotta lay my hand out there and say this is what i've gone through this is what who i am this is what i need this is what i'm looking for these are some of the goals that i have for myself and my future Everybody ain't going to gel with that. And that's okay. Because mm-hmm. we're all different people. Just like everybody doesn't like everybody. Everybody's not attracted to everybody. Because we're all different. Mm-hmm. Right? But if I don't lay my hands out there, and I'm not suggesting to do that all on the first date. I'm just saying yeah. over time. Right? If I don't lay these things out with clear intention and really articulate them to one another, and then you're not doing that with me, there's all this information that I'm missing. Right? Let mm-hmm. me ask you a question. Do you like making big decisions with limited information Mm-mm, never. so why would we do that in a relationship Who knows? why would i try to make that type of big potential lifelong decision potential uh child decisions mm-hmm. right there's challenges with that risk there why would i do that with limited information 10 20 30 percent of the information i need to actually have because we're not talking about the real stuff what do you want for your future do you want a family do you want children if so how many Mm -hmm. when would you like to be married do you have a career is your career going to be more important than your family yeah those are all good questions if we don't talk about that stuff and we don't lay that out in the beginning then aren't we running the risk of just simply running into a wall Mm -hmm. at some point and then we might actually hit that point and realize we are actually diverging and we have been the whole time but we never discussed it. 
Mm-hmm. So we didn't realize we were actually delaying something that was more or less inevitable. Mm-hmm. Not because we couldn't make it work, because we want different things. And we never shared it. Yeah. So you you fundamentally want something different. Let me give the audience an example. So let's say me, I'm like, hey, I want to be married. I want children. And I want it to happen within the next four to five years. And then I'm trying to date you. And you're like, hey, I want to pursue my career for the next nine to 10 years. And maybe I'll get married to you. And maybe I'll give you one child. We never actually discussed that. We discussed that year three, year four, year five. And I'm getting more and more frustrated with you i'm developing resentment towards you because i'm like yo why are you delaying this discussion Mm -hmm. it's really bothering me i told you this what i need but we're not actually engaging in that discussion so what do you think is going to happen it's going to end up becoming very hostile yeah instead of us just sitting down and being the adults that we need to be Mm -hmm. and respectful of what each other's wishes are but simply laying those points out there i don't want to waste your time I don't want my time wasted. So let's be honest yep. about what we need. Yep. And if you can't give me what I need, that's cool. Let's keep it moving. Mm-hmm. It could all be so simple. It could be. <laughs> I'm not suggesting this is a perfect world, you know, mm-hmm. and like there's no challenge here. What yeah. I'm saying is most of us, I think, know the longer you engage with somebody, when you eventually separate, if you end up separating from them, it hurts more. Yeah. Yeah, it's harder. Even if you knew it was unhealthy, it still hurts more. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, I would also make the case that many of us break out of relationships prematurely and we don't do all the work necessary to make sure it could not work. Mm -hmm. We kind of make our own decisions internally and assumptions because we don't want to talk about stuff. So we walk away when we actually maybe could have made it work out. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to what you said. You have to communicate about what's important to you. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? I agree with... Well, let me get towards the mic. I agree with you 100%. Um, it's just... It, it, it can be kind of hard sometimes. Um, but I, I definitely feel as though... Um, like, I, like I had mentioned earlier, like a lot of arguments, a lot of disagreements, a lot of breakups could be, could be avoided, mm-hmm. um, almost completely if like we had those conversations, um, in the beginning. Yeah. So like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be the first date, but you know, say like a month in or whatever, you, you know, you guys are enjoying each other and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have a conversation about like, okay, well, you know what's going on like what are like you said just like asking those different types of questions as far as like their future what they see for their future and what Mm -hmm. they have like you know goals and things that like that um or not even necessarily a month i don't know whenever you start feeling as though okay this is somebody that i can you know vibe with yes exactly so i feel like it's definitely a lot better to have those conversations sooner rather than later Mm -hmm. because like you said it hurts and it's hard um, if it's, you know, someone who you've been with for, you know, several years and, you know, you put in all of this work and stuff in a relationship only for nothing to literally come of it. Mm-hmm. 
and that's facts not only does it hurt it's just a waste of time as well like i (laughs) i say personally i hate feeling as though like my time is wasted and so those are definitely conversations that are necessary to have um when dating just so that you know exactly what it is that you're getting into so i mean at least if you've got your answers and you may not be happy with you know a couple of the answers and you keep going i mean you know for the most part the only person you got to blame for got to blame is yourself because you knew exactly what you were getting into absolutely and that's why we want to have those discussions right Mm -hmm. so i'm not simply at least in my opinion i don't want us and i find that too many of us make too many assumptions about what the other person thinks Mm -hmm. and that's something like i will vehemently push against Mm -hmm. because it bothers me to my core and I mean this about everybody. I'm talking about strangers, family members, children, lovers, siblings. Like we do way too much assuming. Like I don't care how long you've known this person. I don't care what kind of relationship you have with this person. You're never going to know them better than they know themselves. Mm-hmm. You're never going to know why they feel the way that they do, why they think the way that they do, unless you ask them mm-hmm. and you allow them to speak for themselves. And so often I've seen even couples who were like married and been married for 20 plus years and they have problems with communication. One might think, how the hell does that happen? You've been together for 20 plus years. You ain't figured each other out yet. Mm. Well, you're constantly growing and evolving. You're Mm -hmm. not the same person. Yeah. It requires actively choosing and participating each other in that relationship. Yeah. That's That's how you're going to get there. It isn't just like you get married and that's it. Or you get your partner in your relationship and that's it. We just cruise control until we die. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. You got to actively work on you. They have to actively work on themselves. You have to support each other. You have to align maybe the shared vision of what you want the future to be, Mm -hmm. which means you got to talk about it in order to know what that vision is, right? Compromise is important. It can't just be about you. It can't just be about them. It's got to be on both sides. Mm -hmm. These are these things I don't hear us doing enough of. I'm not saying nobody's doing this, but in my clinical experience, a lot of us don't do enough of that. Mm And then again, we're surprised at the outcome that it doesn't work. Yeah. So I just want us to be more accountable and say, if there's things I know I need to deal with and I'm not, then don't be surprised. It's not working out the way you want it. Go Mm -hmm. deal with your stuff. Mm -hmm. Go to therapy and go deal with your stuff. Yes. That's the greatest way you can help impact that on a personal level, because sometimes it's hard to challenge your thinking when it's already the way that you think mm-hmm. we're extremely biased as people all of us no matter how open-minded we are we're extremely biased we think the world operates truly from our vantage point mm-hmm. and that's not true mm-hmm. it's just the way you see it it's just your lived experience personally so we have to try to understand each other better which means instead of presupposing and assuming what I think you think I need to present you the opportunity to ask you that question Mm -hmm. and allow you to share how you feel Mm -hmm. would you disagree with that statement no I agree with everything that was good (laughs) well I think about that one like I said it's very it's very important to me because I'm not like a couples therapist I've worked with uh, quite a few couples but I'm not like that's not like my specialty area Mm -hmm. but it's just things that I've, I've noticed you know, and I see people come to therapy. One more plug for therapy on that subject. They come when it's too late. Mm-hmm. They come when one person is emotionally and mentally checked out, and the other person is trying to fight for the relationship. Yeah. 
And I'm like, it's kind of like to give you a physical health example. It's like going to the hospital only when you have a crisis. Like I got a gunshot wound or I just had a heart attack or I'm about to have a stroke. And now you decide to go deal with your physical health. No, you need to deal with it ahead of time. Don't wait until you have diabetes and you got to lose a toe. Yes. Go deal with it early and go get that insulin. Go change your diet. Go mm -hmm. be more physical, you know, physically active, whatever those things may be. Mm -hmm. it's the same thing in mental health. You can't wait until you're in the worst case scenario and then be surprised oh, that God. you're in crisis and that you're struggling to deal with your day-to-day -day life. Yes. It's going to happen, mm -hmm. you know? So I just wanted to emphasize that point because I think your points were very valid and it makes me see that like on more on the macro level, mm -hmm. right? The micro level is individually, we can deal with it. Mm -hmm. But on the macro level, we need to make sure we make sort of a societal shift and prioritize those things so that we can hopefully get those better outcomes that we want, which is happier yeah. and more stable relationships and families. Yes, I agree. 100%. So slightly off topic, but still talking about relationships. And this is something that is unique, I think, more or less to women, more so than men. What do you think is more important in your lived experience? And maybe you can add in the experience of maybe your homegirls or just your sister, women that you know. Do you think it's more important to have the validation of a man or a partner that you love and you trust and you admire and you respect? Mm -hmm. Or is it to have validation from others online who don't really know you, but that they constantly may flood you? with this level of attention? Um, I think for me currently, uh, it would have to be like my individual partner mm. um, just because I feel as though like, you know, who I've like, I'm, I, all, I always like just draw everything back to my relationship with my dad. Sure. Um, just because that is, you know, something that I, you know, really wanted from him. My dad is not a very emotional person as far as, you know, showing that love and stuff like that. Um, he's not that he, he's really not that person. And so that's something that I've kind of noticed within myself. I'm not very like, you know, um, you know lovey-dovey I guess I would say expressive um yes exactly I am not very expressive um like I'm not a words of affirmation type person okay. I'm more so uh like a which ironically one of my love languages is physical touch like I love quality time and physical touch like I you know I love that but like as far as actually being able to come up with the words and express it that's not me <laughs> so enough, that enough. is something that I definitely seek in my romantic partners just because it's not necessarily something that I'm used to and it's not something that I really had growing up um, but I will say probably a couple of years ago um, not even probably definitely a couple of years ago that I cared about the external validation so like caring about um how many likes I get on a post you know seeing like you know how many people watch my stories even out like if there is a night uh depending on you know the club or the bar or whatever that I would go to when I was in college I'd be like dang like I didn't get no numbers like what is going on like you know certain things like that and yeah. so I know that we're talking about social media and stuff like that but mm -hmm. yeah I definitely would say a couple of years ago that's something that was very very important to me and looking back on it it's just I feel as though that's kind of become one of the reasons why I've started to try to um back away from it mm. uh more sp specifically like Instagram mm. um just because 
you know, I have like a Twitter and stuff, but I don't really spend too much time on it. TikTok, I use it for like laughs or like, you know, I joke with my friends like TikTok is like my new Google now. If I'm like looking, <laughs> if I need to look something up or figure something out. Um, but Instagram is definitely where I used to seek like that crazy attention from like guys I w- would never give like a time of day but just mm. feeling that like oh yeah like I got these hard eyes I got these likes I got the you know story reply this that and the third like mm. that would make me feel good even though I did not care about you know whoever I'm not saying I didn't care about anybody but like I didn't really care who it was that would respond just yeah. like the feeling that somebody is responding sure. that that really used to do something for me but I would say now that I'm older and um you know my values have you know changed and developed and things like that I would say now I care more so about um you know my partner uh not to say like you know, sometimes, you know, that's why I took a social media break because, <laughs> um, you know, I found myself, you know, starting to kind of like slip back into like, okay, well, you know, let's see who watched my story, this, that, and the third, things like that. So, yeah, I would say for the most part, it would have to be with like whoever I would care about the validation from whoever my partner is. As of now, mm-hmm. but in the yes. past, it in was, the past, it was yes, it was definitely flipped. Okay. Let me ask you a follow-up before I give you my, my thoughts on that. Do you think that because of that potential challenge and risk that there is, uniquely more so to women and to young women out there, do you think it's creating a distorted sense of reality or perception of reality for young women in terms oh, yeah. of relationship building with men? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're used to getting so much validation from other men, maybe you, maybe you have this sense of entitlement that there will always kind of be a man for you no matter mm. what you do or who you are or how you present yourself to the world that is a very good question um i, try I, would, good <laughs> I would probably honestly i probably would say yeah um just because mm, I, don't, oof, I don't know I think I think I would probably just say yes, just because like if you're so used to having like this certain type of attention or whatever, um, you know, you're always going to expect it. Like if it's something that has been pretty consistent throughout like all of your developmental years and things like that, you know, if something happens one day and that ends up, you know, not being the case anymore, I can imagine just how, you know, detrimental or whatever it may be to somebody's mental health. So I would say um for the most part yes but I also I don't know I feel like it's kind of like a case-by-case situation too because some people may be you know more grounded in themselves in the sense to like not necessarily depend on that if that does that make sense no it does but do, do you think so put let's try to put the outliers to the side if you had to make more of a generalization do you okay. think that more women more often than not especially more younger women mm-hmm. not saying older women don't too but particularly more younger women um somewhere between let's say 15 to 27 mm-hmm. do you think that there is a possibility that they are developing a sense of entitlement in terms of the validation that they have been getting maybe for a period of time Mm -hmm. and when they're ready this is the key word when they're ready to be in a serious relationship 
thinking that those options that maybe that they had previously in terms of the, the attention that they had that it will always be there mm. the type of man that they would want not to your point not just getting attention from guys that you would never okay. give the time of day to to your point okay but the guy that you would actually want when you're ready to settle down maybe you're ready to have that family you're ready to have those kids do you think that it's creating sort of a distorted perception that it doesn't matter whenever i'm ready to settle down when i'm ready he will be there hmm. i yeah i would probably say yes and i feel like it's because of the things that we are being fed as far as just the cult i'm trying to figure out the safest way to say this okay um we're allowed to make mistakes by the way so (laughs) please don't attack anybody just because we might misspeak yeah um i think with the way and reel me back if back in if this is like off like not necessarily exactly how well not how it's supposed to be answered because i know like either way if i go off the tangent okay. just really back in so i feel as though the way that our culture is now mm. um with you know certain celebrities influencers things like that platforms maybe yes platforms um people who have certain platforms Mm -hmm. I feel as though they have sold a lot of us so if we're talking about like from 15 to 27 we're talking about the 15 the the young teenagers Mm -hmm. young adults or whatever who are seeing these people now and then also the people who may have grown up on different versions of the kind of celebrities and people that we have now but are also still very like that also still like pay a lot of attention to these types of people. Um, I think that they have kind of not emphasis on some, not all, but I feel as though it's kind of distorted some of their, um, I don't want to say like realities, but perceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you talk about entitlement, Mm -hmm. um, I feel as though a lot of people feel as though they are entitled like you said, to a certain type of person just because they have been, you know, this is, this is, this may be like what they're used to, although they may not, how, do, how should I say this? And if I'm not answering the question, just no, no, you, no, you are. Okay. You're, um, you're and so they, they're a lot, and you know, I will say, I feel like this goes both ways. I feel like a lot of men are like this as well now. Um, but I feel as though, like, they may not bring to the table what they want their partner necessarily to bring, but Mm. because of the, you know, certain ideologies and things that, you know, are being put into a lot of people's minds nowadays, Mm -hmm. they feel as though that's something that they deserve when they're not necessarily even... I don't want to say worthy. I'm, I don't know what other maybe they maybe they haven't of. they haven't put in the work necessary yes. to have earned that. Yes, exactly. So I say all that to say yes, there is a sense of entitlement, but I feel like it it, it has a lot to do with the stuff that we are being fed as far as mm-hmm. media and things like that. Does sure. that does that answer no. the question? No, no, okay. no. You're definitely on those lines, and I, and I know, and I appreciate you trying to answer it. It's a very nuanced discussion, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not 
just to reiterate for anybody who may try to mischaracterize me, <laughs> um, I'm very much pro women mm -hmm. and pro them being able to be their most authentic versions of themselves, to be able to take care of themselves, to be able to be self-sufficient, to be able to be highly educated. I support all of that. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's no MO of me trying to make this point. But what I, the reason why I bring it up is because, particularly when it comes to relationship building, right, from the man side. So we know that historically in heterosexual relationships, men are the pursuers, meaning women get the first chance to reject, mm -hmm. right? What I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from a lot of creators, a lot of young men, older men, middle-aged men, men that have their stuff together, men that are early on in the process, and young men that are scared of the prospects of the future, that it's getting harder for people to link together. It's getting harder for people to have reasonable expectations that in the past wasn't quite so difficult mm -hmm. to understand. Yeah. I do think social media might have played a significant role in that because of what you were just talking about with the level of attention that a lot of young ladies can get through platforms like Instagram and TikTok and OnlyFans, you know, to be fair. And so it's not simply to say one or the other, like that inherently makes it bad and, and we should shut it down. Like I, mm -hmm. I understand that there can be great uses for those platforms. So I'm not anti them, but I want us to understand how it might be, again, to your words there, kind of distorting our perception. Because if I have this idea that I have unlimited time, I'm going to go back to a comment you mentioned quite some time ago about I'm getting a little bit older. I'm trying to be mindful of my time. I want to make sure I can make something happen, right? Mm -hmm. When I hear you say that, when I hear you say that, I hear more intentionality behind those words. Mm -hmm. Meaning I don't want to spend more of my time kind of hoping that something's going to happen. I need to put some stuff into motion to increase the likelihood that it's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And intentionality to me is the key word there. On the flip side, if I'm used to getting all this attention, which again, to be fair, the vast majority of men do not know what that feels like. The vast majority of us will never know what that feels like because that is just a disparity between men and women. Women are the ones pursued. Men are typically the pursuers for heterosexual relationships. Mm -hmm. So... If that's the way the paradigm has sort of shifted now, where now you can get flooded and inundated with all of this extra attention, it can lead maybe one to think this will never end. Mm -hmm. I will always have access to this plethora of individuals and these options and these opportunities, even if it's from, even if it's from individuals that I don't truly desire, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The question I would ask, actually there's twofold, and you don't necessarily have to answer them, but these are the questions I've asked and I've had some of my female clients ask me these questions. The men that I want, what do they want? Which I think a lot of times we're not thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Because again, women don't typically, I think, have to think about what we want because we're the ones that come for you. Mm -hmm. So the guys that maybe that I want, that I want to take serious, what do they want from a partner? What are they looking for? Right? And then on the flip side... For the ones that I'm kind of dabbling in social media, dabbling in these platforms, what have you, what might be the potential risk and impact the longer I'm on these platforms and the way that I present myself to the world in terms of my dating options? Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is saying like this. Let me give you an example of what something me and my one of my old clients had discussed. So 
she was very much like in your age demographic and she was talking about how she knew that she wanted to be married in the next like four to five years she was still getting ready to go to grad school but that's something that she knew very consciously she wanted and and also wanted to have children so one day we were discussing uh and she brought up and wanted me to review her instagram profile and i don't typically like look you know i don't stalk my clients it's just like she brought it up she wanted me to look at it. I'm like okay and she wanted my feedback from a man's perspective like how does how do i come across mm-hmm. right and one thing i immediately recognized that i i think again it's, it's just maybe slightly different from men and women is that there's like son of mud of a dissociation meaning there's not a connection between how i portray myself online and who i am in real life i think there's some women out there who think that like they're two different people and for us as men you're the same person mm-hmm. whatever you put out there on your public platform is how we're judging you because this is how you're demonstrating who you are to the world Mm -hmm. right and so we i'm not going to get into her details but the point was she had some photos that i looked at and i said hey this is what i would tell you if i was you and i'm saying i'm a woman that wants to be taken seriously by a man who wants to commit to me and give me uh and, and um want to be my husband one day it matters how i portray myself on these public platforms it matters how I conduct myself. It matters how I carry myself. So I pointed out some things and I said, if I was you, based on what you said you want, I would change these things. I would mm. probably remove them. Mm. Because I think it's not gonna make a man wanna take you serious based on how you're choosing to pro- uh, portray yourself here. Mm. And it was kind of shocking for her to hear that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, listen, I'm, I'm going based on what you're telling me you want. This is never like a shaming thing or nothing like that. It's just. Again, I think about the outcome. So there's this very interesting dynamic. It's not a dilemma. It's a dynamic in my mind. Again, outside looking in between I maybe feel the freedom. This is how I kind of interpret it. Maybe women feel in a lot of cases like they have been stifled in terms of their opportunities to live and lead full lives to be fully autonomous, to be fully free, to do the things that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, I would agree with that statement. So maybe there's like this general push to like push the boundary as almost as far as it can go. I'm gonna go as hard as I can in this direction because you guys have held me down. And now that I feel like the shackles are kind of off right now, I'm gonna run as fast as I can and as hard as I can in this direction, mm-hmm. irregardless of what happens. And then on the flip side, there's us, the guys, who, of course, we still want to connect. We still want to build those real connections and relationships with you all. But it's getting harder because the expectations change. The rules change. The way you engage and you approach us approaching you is changing. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult and it's very hard for us to know how to bridge that gap of how we're supposed to engage meaningfully with the women like you out there, especially because all of these discussions and these rules are implied. They're not actually spoken. They're not actually stated. There's what no kinda, there's no book there. What kind of rules though? What do you mean? Like So rules of engagement rules of engagement, speaking of things like how do you approach a person? So mm-hmm. I, I like I'll give you an example. Sort of back in the day to age myself um i remember 
it was very much okay, although it was very awkward and very terrifying, especially as a young man, to like, you'd probably meet like a young lady at the mall. If you didn't meet him at school, right? School is mm-hmm. probably like the default. Um, I'm talking like school age, maybe like high school. Okay. You'd probably meet him at the mall. And you had to learn to build up some courage to actually speak to this person. You have to be okay with being rejected because she, you don't have any right for her to, you know, just because you approach her doesn't mean she has to say yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to deal with that, right? Which to me, that's always been the case. And that's, that's fine because that's, mm-hmm. you know, normal. The reason why I'm making this point, so hold that for a moment. What I see a lot of now and what I'm hearing a lot of now when I talked about expectations is the expectations seem like they've raised themselves to a point where it sort of alienates the vast majority of potential partners Hmm. from a woman to a man's perspective. Meaning, and again, I know this is deep, so I definitely, I want to hear your feedback because I'm I'm trying to like elaborate on this as much as possible. So Mm -hmm. we're all on the same page. In my experience, and from what I've noticed about other people who are trying to navigate this divide, for a lot of women, the more that they are able to produce and earn and take care of themselves, which is great, right? Mm -hmm. It also makes it harder because it shrinks the possible dating pool of who they will go for. Not because those men don't exist. Mm -hmm. It's because they're kind of unqualified now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And for men, it's, it's very much the opposite. The more we ascend, the better that we do. We don't naturally just alienate those women. We will still go for somebody, whether it's different socioeconomic status, different career path, maybe no mm-hmm. career path. It's more about their traits, their qualities, the way they were raised, what do they want. And if you can make those things align, then we will make it work. Mm -hmm. But I think for women, from my understanding, and again, I'm not saying that I'm right, just this is what I've observed. It's not like that. It's kind of like, you need to bring what I bring to the table in order to be like that first filter step. Mm -hmm. If you don't even do that, like we're not talking. We're not even having a conversation. Mm -hmm. So it fundamentally sort of isolates all these other potential partners out there because again, they don't qualify anymore. I would mm-hmm. like to hear your thoughts on that. I I don't like I hear you and I understand just because like like I feel as though and it's so funny um, that our conversation has come this way because my friends and I talk about this all the time mm-hmm. just because um, you know there have been situations where we've had conversations with people and they would say the same thing they were a lot harsher with the way that they would say it but um because i I think delivery matters yeah exactly and so um i feel like i i okay because i actually i just had a conversation with my friend about this the other day um i hear what you're saying but i also i think it's just because okay well you know what let me just give a personal like let me look at it from a personal perspective um I don't necessarily care I'd say I personally don't necessarily care about just I don't want to say I don't care about success or whatever but it doesn't the person doesn't necessarily have to be like a super successful type person um for me to necessarily be interested in them Mm. um for me I care 
about the emotional aspect of things, but I also care about like the drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, can, I, can I ask you real quick, just mm-hmm. to make sure, because I want us to also define those things. What do you mean when you say drive? Drive as far as just like, you don't necessarily have to um, like, Mm, never mind because I was gonna say like I don't I'm not necessarily saying I'm looking for somebody that is on my level but like you I mean you have to have some sort of like motivation or want to like you know do more or be more like you know do what you want to do um but that's also to an extent because I have dated people that have been so focused on continuing to elevate and things like that to Mm. where it has not worked out because they couldn't provide like the emotional aspect for me um and i feel my i feel myself like getting kind of off track a little bit but i would say um i would say for the most part like i hear what you're saying um but it sucks that like it seems like it i feel like nowadays like that's kind of what the majority is seeming like although you know there's there's still a couple of us out there that don't necessarily care about that no sure um we're definitely not profiling oh, yeah. when I make that statement. I'm definitely yeah. not trying to say everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. I, I only make that point because... It's just very common I, now. I think it's it's a very common experience. And also because... Mm-hmm. And, and I'm saying this and be, uniquely because men historically, we don't talk about things in general. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely not going to talk about these type of things that we might be struggling in. Because it's already like in the field of emotions, which we're already very nervous about speaking on. But it doesn't mean that we're not feeling them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there's not a lot of, you know, lonely guys out there who would love to be somebody's partner, mm-hmm. but maybe are not being afforded the opportunity. Not because they have no drive, they have no ambition, but they're not kind of at this level that maybe a lot of women out there may expect this man to be at now. Maybe yeah. the ball has moved where maybe average um like at whatever age they're at, their ability to earn, provide for themselves, take care of themselves, like they have all that, but the standard has maybe risen to a point that it's not as common for them to hit that point Mm -hmm. until much, much later in their life. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of creates this dilemma or like a vacuum, if you will, of again, qualified candidates. I think I, I say it in that way because that is sort of how dating is. Like we absolutely filter people out. Oh yeah. So we, it's okay to say that we're not being disrespectful because mm-hmm. we're allowed to all want what we want, mm-hmm. right? My only point is that, and again, goes back to the outcome. You can want what you want. I can want what I want. Everybody can want what they want. But the longer you go and you're not getting what you want, at what point do you look at yourself and recognize I need to maybe change something? Mm-hmm. And it's not terrible for me to consider compromising on some of these things that maybe I'm holding up so high mm-hmm. that don't really matter. Yeah. And I'll just give you some really small examples. These are very superficial, but these things are here. Like height, mm-hmm. build, <laughs> uh, income to a certain degree. I mm-hmm. do... I do feel like I've come to understand it a little bit more from a woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. I think it, it matters, especially... Um, if the guy maybe wants to have his wife at home more yeah. or have her be the primary caretaker of the children, then I absolutely mm-hmm. think his drive, his ambition, his motivation, it matters because you need to be able to provide that stability. And if I'm the woman, like I'm, I'm kind of hitching my wagon to yours, so I need to be able to have confidence in you. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Right? So those are all like all the compromises that I would say that I would hope that we would make. But yeah. I don't hear a lot of that on the other side okay. and from the, a lot of the other guys that 
I speak to. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration might be coming from. Yeah, I hear you because I feel like a lot of people um, still have a lot of like unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. Like I I hear about this a lot. Like um, (laughs) like there was a a series. this uh, pastor, his name, Mike, his name is Michael Todd. He like had this whole series on like relationship goals and things like that. Mm. And that was something because I was in a book club and we read his book about it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we had discussed, like as far as like people. Um, and I'll just say me, like I used to have a list. I used to have, like I remember I used to be like, oh well, if you're not like six three six four like i don't want to talk to you Mm. and i like you know you got to take a step back because like he's not going to like i don't know that's where a lot of the compromise comes in because you the person that you might end up with the person that is going to treat you well somebody that you're really going to create a connection with they're not going to have all of the boxes correct um and i think it's important for us to remember like we don't necessarily have to settle but we also just can't have unrealistic expectations of what our partner can be like. So, yeah. like, you know, I, I will agree with you on the salary standpoint, just because, like, right now I'm making the most money that I've ever made or whatever, but I still am in the social work mental health field. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if I'm looking for a partner, I do, you know, want someone that would like if we're discussing like long term as far as like marriage and family and things like that, that is something um that I want to have as far as sure. like a man like be the provider and stuff like that just because, you know, personally I don't necessarily want to work for 30 more years. So which, <laughs> as far which, as... which by the way, and again, I'm 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 not a I don't shame people on either side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. totally okay to say like I don't want to have to. I'm not saying you're suggesting this, but like mm-hmm. I don't want to do backbreaking work. <laughs> like I would love to be taken care of. I think, and again, I'm, I'm just being fully transparent here. Mm-hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with understanding and acknowledging some of the biological differences that exist between us. Mm-hmm. That we're kind of suited for different things. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we can't do things that the other can do. Mm-hmm. Not everything. There are some things that we each of us obviously cannot do. Yeah. But I don't like to go down that path because I feel like it's it's a it's a foolish path to take. Mm-hmm. It's basically like, okay, you say I can't do it, prove it. You know, like yeah. I just feel like that yeah. doesn't help advance the conversation. Yeah. That's great if you just want to argue. And I'm not in the business of arguing. Mm-hmm. I'm in the business of trying to resolve complicated issues and trying mm-hmm. to understand. A better question to me would be, yes, I can do it on my own, but what's a better strategy for the long term? Mm-hmm. Is to do it together. Yes. Life is meant to be with somebody else. It's way harder to go through life on your own. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to, I haven't said this yet here, but I've said this on other episodes before. This idea of independence, right? I don't celebrate that. This is just me personally speaking. I don't celebrate that as that is, that's something to be celebrated. I say that to me is a bare minimum. If we're all adults, what's the alternative? Mm-hmm. Are you a child? Mm-hmm. Do you need somebody to take care of you? Mm-hmm. So I don't look at it as in like this celebration of like, I need to be independent, blah, blah, blah. I look at it and say, no, to me, a part of a healthy, functioning human adult, male, women, it doesn't matter. You can take care of yourself yep. at bare minimum. Right. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not even meaning that in a, like an economic sense. I'm saying it, let me hit it from the mental, emotional health side. 
if you don't take care of yourself now while it's only you, what do you think is going to happen when you have a partner? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen when you have a family? You have additional stress and responsibilities yes. that you've never been accustomed to. Mm-hmm. You think you're going to get better at taking care of yourself or it's going to be harder to take yeah. care of yourself? And a lot of the struggles that you deal with are probably going to come up. And it's, I don't know, it'll just go back to like the issues we were talking about with family earlier. It's just right. going to be like a never ending cycle. Correct. Um, so I agree with you 100% on that. So I see how that happens. And so... And again, I'm not anti any one group or any one type of person. I'm just mm-hmm. simply pointing out like the conversation doesn't start or end there. That can be a part of it. Mm-hmm. But there's there's so much more substance to that that yeah. I think that we're just missing when we talk about this. Yeah. And I'm very sensitive to both sides and thinking about what do men want? What do women want? And trying to, again, really be a bridge, mm-hmm. really trying to understand I am not a woman. I'm never going to be a woman. I want to learn what is it that you all have concerns about, that you worry about, that you want for the future. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be slightly different for each person. But there's a lot of things that are inherently common because a lot of it is biological, mm-hmm. particularly when we talk about family building and, and child rearing. Mm-hmm. And for men, there are certain expectations that's pretty common for us too. That for the most part, many of us are okay with being providers, being leaders to a certain degree, not that you steamroll your partner. Yeah. There's a lot of, again, there's a lot of talking points I hear people use great for creating uh, frustration, but not great for actually resolving stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not either or. We do, a, when we have these very nuanced discussions, we do them very black and white. We live in extremes. Mm-hmm. It's like women have ultimate freedom. Women got to be housewives that have no rights. Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on, man. There's a whole spectrum here of stuff in between. Stop trying to paint it in one way or another. Yeah. The same way for men. It's like people use the word, and I've finally started discussing it, toxic masculinity. Is everybody toxic? No. And a lot of people don't even de- know how to define what that even means. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like a pushover and I'm not assertive and I don't know how to get what I want out of life and I'm lazy. Mm. There's a whole lot of stuff in these different ranges. I want us to talk more about what we call the gray, right, in mental health. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that's gray. It's not black and white. Yeah. So when we talk about these nuanced discussions around relationship building and expectations, I'm trying to decouple and really unravel a lot of why it's so hard now for people to connect with each other. Is it because men and women are fundamentally that much more different than we were 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago? There are some changes culturally, sure. Access to certain things, sure. But are we really that much more different than we were? Mm -mm. I would stand to say no. I think for generations, we've been more or less the same Mm -hmm. with some minor changes over time. And again, it doesn't mean we don't celebrate the improvements that need to happen because Mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. But getting back to those family units, how do we make those happen? I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. I hear a lot of, even in like politics and things like that, a lot of we live in our own little bubble and we just keep selling the same stuff to each other. Hmm. So not being willing to engage with the other, so to speak, and trying to learn. What do you want? What do you need? What would you like to happen? Let me share the same. Mm-hmm. And then let's see if we can bring these two together in a meaningful way. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Because, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, I feel, I agree with you when it comes to, like, I feel like fundamentally strip 
you know, everything away, I feel like we really are not that much different from, you know, the past generations and things like that. But I feel as though just the stuff that we've been exposed to, the stuff that we have gone through yeah. as a society, just it, it's kind of, I mean, it's distorted the way that we, you know, approach situations, the sure. way that we look at situations. And so I feel as though I'll, you know, just tie it back to not even just social media, just media and the things that we are all just consuming on a day-to-day basis. I don't know. I just really feel as though, um, on, in some aspect that definitely has, um, that has definitely had an effect on the way that a lot of men and women, uh, you know, interact with each other mm-hmm. in the way that they go about their relationships. So I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. And, I, and I, I try my best because I'm a therapist. I try really hard to consume information and content from all sides. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's, you know, that's where you really get more of the, the whole picture, right? Mm-hmm. For looking things from a holistic perspective. So I'm certainly not going to like only listen to guys say like, oh, well, this is how women are and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I hear women like men ain't this and men ain't that. I'm like, number one, we need some personal accountability, which we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us are also, to your point, and again, I'm not anti-social media. I do think it needs to be much more carefully understood and the impacts need to be fully appreciated, oh, yeah. particularly for parents of young kids. Oh, yeah. Or young teens. But it does create a perception that may not always be accurate. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to hold truth to that. Yes. I, I, I can give another example. Um, and I'm, I don't live on social media. I, I, I use social media as a tool that I believe that it is. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. When I say I don't live, I mean, I don't scroll. I just use it and then I get off because yeah. I just don't care enough about it. Yeah. But I understand the impact that it can have the audience, the reach, all of that. But I know for a lot of folks out there, it is a primary source of information. It's a primary source of information that they use to shape the way that they deal with other people, that they create these narratives of how they think they should be treated or not be treated. Mm-hmm. And and again, I think so many of us are not getting out of that comfort zone yep. to really have your ideas challenged. Not because we need to argue, we need to fight, but if you think what you think is really accurate, then listen to an opposing viewpoint and actually determine maybe there's something I can take away from that encounter mm-hmm. that might be applicable to how I see things now. Maybe I wasn't considering those things before. Yeah, and that makes me think of um, something that um, when I was up in Tallahassee, um, I was at was it a conference. It was something, but I remember um, he. The guy that was speaking, the um, guy who was that was speaking, it wasn't necessarily um, criticizing the phrase, but just kind of challenging it about how everybody now is just focused on, oh well, like this is my truth, I'm living my truth, I don't care what you have to say about it, or just being like, oh well, I'm just, I'm real, and this is the way that I do this, that, and the third, but just so focused on, okay, this is my way, my way. Is right. Yes, exactly. My way or the highway. Like if you chat, like not even have like being open to like having challenging conversations. And I think that's another thing that has kind of, you know, messed us up or gotten us off track um, as a society, because so many people are just focused on, you know, now like this is this is how I feel. This is how I think. 
most people are like, well, yeah, this is how I think. And I'm right in that sense. And if you challenge me or if you, you know, um, disagree necessarily with what I'm saying, well, then we we don't have anything to discuss. Like we right. like, like right out the gate. Exactly. So like, I'm not about to deal with it. I'm not about to entertain like any type of, you know, challenging conversations. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that has kind of, like I said, has messed us up as a society because no one is really, um, having conversations like that anymore. I agree. I couldn't um, agree with you more. Yeah. I think that that's so profound. And again, I'm trying to say these things and it's taken me a while to want to address these things because I know how, difficult it is Mm -hmm. right and again that's why i preface by saying we're not going to get this stuff right all the time Mm -hmm. you know so please have grace and patience for each other Mm -hmm. we're going to misspeak we're going to make mistakes we're not i I don't believe that most of us are evil and inherently trying to engage in these conversations with ill intent yeah i think is that we need to create the space to be able to have those respectful disagreements or respectful discourse even Mm -hmm. if we don't share the same views or the same beliefs yeah because that's how we're going to get to that place of more harmony mm-hmm. not that everybody's going to be on the same page because that's not true either yeah but more more than what we have presently mm-hmm. more of us could learn to get along better if we were willing to engage in these discussions and again i i think about it in the in the purview of relationship building because that's one of those fundamental things that we all typically will go through mm-hmm. you know and if you're seeing to your your point about, well, you know, if you don't kind of match what I already think right off the bat, like there's nothing to talk about, that pretty much means we're preaching isolationism. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you don't agree with me, don't exist in my world. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. It doesn't exist. All my content that I consume, I want it to only be things that reaffirm and reinforce how I already feel. Mm-hmm. That is dangerous. Yeah. And I'm not saying that for there's no other message I'm trying to preach in that front. I'm only trying to make the point that, like I said earlier, the world does not operate from your viewpoint. Mm-hmm. We all have bias. Yeah. Right? We all do, myself included. Mm-hmm. To me, our challenge is to, as often as you can, get outside of your comfort zone and get outside of your bubble of information, mm-hmm. of expectation. Because then you can actually create an environment where you can find compromise. Mm -hmm. You can get along with other people. You can maybe find a relationship and make it work with somebody because it doesn't have to fundamentally be guided by your viewpoint only. Yes. But so many of us, like that is like the guiding principle. Mm -hmm. You know, again, my way or the highway. If you're not doing what I'm saying, that's it. We're shutting it down now. And I spent all this time discussing this because I worry that the younger generation are going to be a lot lonelier mm-hmm. if they don't get it together and mm-hmm. we don't help them and challenge them to be better Yeah. in that particular area. Not because they're fundamentally bad people, not because they're fundamentally flawed. That, I think, is a huge effect of social media and how it is only painting one type of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. 100%. So thank you for going on that very long-winded and <laughs> extended journey with me because I know that that's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to try my best to find even better ways to engage in that way. And again, mm-hmm. hear other people's viewpoints because I think that's how we find points of compromise to come together. Mm-hmm. You know, So 
I do want to ask you before I get to my last question, because you were talking about that break earlier, right? Mm -hmm. From from taking that time from social media, just to reiterate that point for the audience at home. So what was the what was the need from your perspective of that break? Um, so for the need, so basically, I'll I'll start off as far as like at the beginning of the year. Um, every year I do like a fast or whatever. So, um, you know, from specific type of foods or whatever, this, that, and the third. And so, um, this year I decided to do, uh, like in addition to the food, I also decided to do Instagram more specifically just because I noticed that I would spend a lot of time just scrolling, getting distracted, um, not spending as much time, you know, doing stuff that I enjoy. Like I like reading, I like crocheting and things like that. Mm. And so like, you know, those are constructive hobbies. Those are, you know, things I can, yeah, exactly. The things I can work on, but like consuming all of this information, whether it's like negative stuff, like as far as like gossip pages and stuff like that, I'm Mm. not gonna lie. That's like a guilty, like I love reality TV. Get, a, get love, some good old drama in your Yes, life. exactly. So, like, consuming all of that, and uh, I have another point that I'm going to make after I say all this, but consuming all of that, consuming also, like, the good stuff as far as, like, people, you know, accomplishing, you know, big life goals, getting married, um, moving, like, across the country, mm. uh, moving out of the country, having kids, like, things like that. You know, although I'm in a good place, I'm pretty secure about where I'm at and I am secure in like the plans and stuff that I have for myself. But also seeing all of that and consuming all of that, I'm just like, dang, like, that's nice. You know, I'm kind of ready to, you know, start doing this type, you know, this stuff. And so consuming all of that has, it, you know, it kind of brought me to a not so great place uh, towards the end of the year, I want to say. And so that's why I decided to... Um, uh, take a break from social media. And so that lasted from January 2nd until I want to say it was like February 4th. That was the longest I had ever gone. Like I completely deactivated my account. I know sometimes like I would delete the app, but I would like go on like Safari or something like on my phone, like on the actual Instagram (laughs) website and just literally just so, so look you, through you, stories. You just change the access point. Exactly. And so um, that was the first time I had ever just had completely gone dark. And I noticed just how much better I felt. Like even now that I have it back, I had it back for like my, um, my birthday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even then, um, and even now, like I just, I just deleted the app again. Um, I just noticed how much of a difference, like as far as like the way that I spend my time and then also just how I was feeling mentally, there was a huge difference between like consuming all of that negativity, um, and you know, of course, like positivity and stuff like that in comparison to just literally being disconnected, like whatever I needed to know, I knew, um, if my friends had to send me something, they would screenshot it. There wouldn't be no issue. There would be, they would screenshot it if it was important enough and they would send it so that we can discuss it. Um, but I noticed like with the gossip pages and stuff that I was following, I'm like, why am I consuming this? Like when I went back, I was like, why am I like, why is this something that I was, you know, you know, paying attention to and entertaining and stuff like that. And I couldn't really answer it. So I decided to go ahead and delete my app again. Um, I don't really spend too much time on it. I think I want to 
go ahead and delete my account again just because after that break I just feel as though I mean there's not really much need for it now Mm -hmm. um the people that I you know talk to or like want to hear from and stuff on a daily we'll text we'll do like FaceTime calls just to catch up and things like that um but yeah for the most part like I'm good with getting my laughs from like TikTok or Twitter and stuff because <laughs> I noticeably don't spend as much time on either of those apps in mm-hmm. comparison to Instagram. how I spend my time on Instagram. Yeah, that's interesting too. I mean, obviously, that means that the platforms are doing a good job of keeping your attention and mm-hmm. a lot of people's attention, to be fair, because mm-hmm. that's the economy that we're in. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you kind of giving us more of a breakdown of that because I think it's. I'm obviously from a slightly different generation, so it's I don't have a full understanding of what that's like. Because like I said, I'm very much a type of person that even though even what they um, their platforms primarily are used for, which is primarily short form content, that's not my preferred medium. Mm-hmm. I prefer long form content because I want all the nuance and all the details and all the discussion that's mm-hmm. necessary, depending on what it is that you're. you're trying to propose mm-hmm. and those platforms are obviously are not necessarily in the business of doing that mm-hmm. and so but the other thing I, I think that's important that you noted was the level of time that you put in there and the other things that you could have been spending it towards as well as challenging yourself mm-hmm. on areas you were getting information about and, and wondering why I was doing some Instagram lives with a buddy of mine shout out to Carlos um, well we were talking about that about how a lot of young people they don't mind who they're following, who they're subscribing to, and what that's maybe doing to them in terms of influencing the way, again, that they see the world. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm following, which I don't do this, but this is what I've been told. If I'm following a bunch of pages that like make me feel less than or inferior or everybody's life is better because it's natural to compare, Mm -hmm. right? Especially if you try to, if you go, if you start trying to go by like age or, you know, whatever type of demographic metric, it's easy to try to make yourself feel like, oh, I'm not doing well enough. I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. And all the internet has done in that way is make you think that you're not as far along as you need to be, but not realizing, not realizing for those that are not paying attention, life is a very individualistic race. Yes. We're not running this giant race together. We're actually running it separately. We can be doing them at the same time, Mm -hmm. but you're actually running your own race by yourself for the rest of your life. Literally, so it's all individual journeys. It doesn't matter what your friends are doing. I, I used to make this example, like literally the day you graduate high school, and you can say before, but at the bare minimum, the day you graduate high school, you're on your own journey. Mm-hmm. It literally does not matter what your friends do and what you do. Yep. Some people are going to take longer to get to where they want to go. Some people are going to get it faster. Some people are going to change paths. Some people are going to change careers. Some people aren't going to make it to you know, any long, long-term longevity of their life because of whatever, you know, may happen. So to lose ourselves in this concept of like, I need to be them. I need to be better. I need to, I'm competing with you guys. It's nonsensical mm-hmm. because you're all, all you're doing is making yourself feel like you're unworthy of certain yeah. things, or there's this inherent competition that you need to have. So maybe you start creating this kind of oppositional relationship with folks mm-hmm. like, or you don't want to help other people. Cause you feel like they're, if you help them it's holding you back Yep. instead of what I would say, 
help everybody it will come back to you Mm -hmm. because people appreciate that that's what people don't realize yeah it's not about like there's plenty of different levels of success and defining what that even means to you I think is really important Mm -hmm. but I understand that for some folks out there especially the younger ones it's harder to separate that Mm -hmm. when you're kind of raised in this environment where you feel like you're maybe your pool of peers is not just your local community it's also the global community that's in your age group or even across the country, even if you don't want to look at it from a global perspective. So I recognize that it's different. So for example, that's why my son will not have access to social media until he's probably 18 years old. Mm. In fact, I just gave him his first phone last year mm-hmm. when he turned 11. Um, but I monitor it for that reason. Yeah. Because it's hard enough being a kid. It's hard enough being a teenager, hard enough being a young adult. Yeah. And just trying to figure out what you want out of your life that's these are all hard big picture you know nuanced questions Mm -hmm. the last thing we need is if you can't have a healthy relationship with it it's a tool Mm -hmm. all of them are tools if you can't just like anything else if you can't have a healthy relationship with it then maybe you do have to minimize it maybe you do have to walk away from it whatever that may mean but Mm -hmm. you know just being accountable and being responsible i think is something that we need to have more nuanced discussions about because I think we're not really appreciating how much it's actually impacting the way that we carry our, ourselves, um, both when we're young and then even, like you said, even up to your age. Yeah, I agree. 100%. So, again, another deep dive into stuff, but <laughs> more has to be done. Um, but you've covered a lot of important issues, particularly on the, on the romantic side, and discussing a lot of the challenges like you talked about already at, at length with communication and how it's been difficult for you because of the way that you grew up and not really feeling like you could assert yourself because of the relationship with your father and all of that. And I think that that's important for us to also remember, you know, like we said, the things that you don't express, you can't expect the person to just magically know, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to know how to do those things. And then you're just going to kind of be upset about it a lot because you're not getting your needs met Mm -hmm. and you're not able to express them in in a healthy way. So communication to me is one of those things I always want to make sure I drive home every time we're talking. It's a reason why we're talking, but it's also just to emphasize that point. We can always get better at it. Mm-hmm. It's not like a skill you ever perfect, in my opinion. Oh yeah. You just keep trying to get better every single time. So when we have these deeper discussions, I'm hoping I get better at articulating them and asking you follow-up questions so we, everybody can gain some insight and some value, mm-hmm. including me. That's good, yeah. But I want to close on happier notes. So I want to ask you, what do you think the future looks like for you, both personally and professionally? What What are some of the hopes that you have that you want to work towards moving forward? Um, I guess I'll start off uh, talking professionally. Um, and I know I touched on that a little bit mm-hmm. earlier. Um, but just continuing to grow, um, to be a better counselor, therapist, whatever it is, um, that I end up being, um, I want to continue. And I guess this could be personally as well, but just continuing to learn and continuing to find opportunities, um, to grow and be the best, you know, version of myself that I can be. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to (laughs) look, um, as far as, you know, the different opportunities and stuff, um, that may be presented to me, but that's just what I want to focus on is, um, strengthening my skills, uh, helping myself grow better as like a therapist, um, as a social worker in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's pretty broad, but that's, that's what I'm, yeah, but that's, that's what at. I want. That's yeah. That's what I want. Um, professionally, 
personally. Um, pretty much, you know, just, you know, being more, um, strengthening my skills when it comes to like my communication. Um, not even necessarily, I know we talked a lot, you know, romantically, but just like in general with like family, with friends, um, shoot with people you know that you know may cut me off or like piss me off um in public because they may have done something so just working on being more assertive um and just continuing to be open to um you know different types of whether that's like you know romantic platonic just love and just being not only more open to it but being more um expressive with it Mm. you know uh you know, as far as like me being better with, you know, telling the people that I love, that I love them, that I care about them. Um, not even necessarily just like with words, but through my actions and things like that. Um, so I think for the most part, that's that I would say that's what I'm working towards or that's what I want to work towards. So awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we support and encourage all of that. So (laughs) I think those are great goals to, work towards i'm sure like over time you know they'll get refined more and more as you mm-hmm. get closer and closer to what you want um but i think it takes a lot of honesty and vulnerability to engage in all these discussions mm-hmm. so i appreciate you for really going there you know i know a lot of this is very challenging to discuss mm-hmm. but again i think it's really really necessary if we want to change the way we kind of interact and behave with each other and Mm. more often than not just get the outcomes that we want truly yeah if you want these things let's put ourselves on a path to actually have it Mm. i think we will be happier as a people as a society um but i know that it's going to take considerable amount of time Mm -hmm. so i appreciate you for being a sounding board and sharing a lot of your insight and lived experience and expertise because i think we can all gain something from that Mm -hmm. particularly anybody who may have been watching who might have resonated with your story Yes. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. This has sure. been this has been wonderful. Good. I hope, <laughs> Definitely reflective. I hope so. I always <laughs> gain a lot from it too. So, if you out there gain some insight and perspective from this, please consider liking and subscribing and commenting because it's very challenging to produce a lot of these different types of discussions. Not because it's not discussed or it's not wanted. It's because it's so difficult sometimes to find people who really want to engage in this meaningful yeah. way but I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody who did gain something from that to do their own time reflecting and trying to gain some insight from something maybe that I've shared that, that you shared and maybe be able to apply it to their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, again, I thank you. I thank everybody who may have watched or listened and we're going to sign off. So until next time, peace out.